What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to Basement Side Chat. I'm here today with my good friend, Davis. Say what's up. Hey, y'all, this is Deeg, the ghost of Basement Side Future, coming back to repair an audio issue we had at the very start of the podcast. Uh, we just started out by introducing Dan Davis, a.k.a. Davis, a.k.a. Lateral Laws, and we're going to lead right in with some diabolical discussion. I asked him what has been going on since the closed beta. Let's have a listen. That I know is um, hopefully a closed beta at the end of July. Um, and if that goes well, then August will be an open beta. And then September to December will be tournament season. Tournament season one. Okay. So August is the next time I can get my hands on it. Um, no, because you were in the closed beta before, so you'll actually be able to play. Anybody who has a closed beta key as it was from before when they had the closed beta weekends will be able to play. So if you had a closed beta key, you will be able to play at the end of July. Gotcha. End of July. So just a few more weeks of Diabotical Detox. And um, what big changes can I expect as a closed beta player coming back into it in a month? Like, I heard some sad news. It's sad to me. As a, you know, a diehard TFC soldier, I understand that rockets are becoming less powerful, which makes me a sad, sad rocket shooter. I know that the railgun is a moving target uh, with what they're doing with it, but, like, I'm also interested in, like, what's going on with some of the team game modes. I know that you might have a lot to say about that. So, I mean, what's, what's going on? So... As far as team modes go, we got Wipeout in the closed beta, which everybody right. played and hopefully everybody enjoyed. Um, yeah. We're going to get MacGuffin, which is a take on Quake Champion's Sacrifice, and we're going to get Classic TDM, which is uh, the most probably hardcore arena FPS mode you can get into outside of Duel. So from my understanding from Two Goods' last um, update stream is that... Uh, the eSports side of Diabotical will have those three team modes in tandem. You'll have to play all three of them. It's not like we're just only playing McGuffin, we're only playing Wipeout, etc. Et oh, interesting. <clears throat> yeah, very. So there, we're rocking three team modes with Duel as like an in-between. Um, Duel will be present, but initially it sounds like <clears throat> it won't be as present as it might be. Like, it won't be standing alone. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I've watched yeah. you play a lot of Quake. It's always, always, always been Duel. Is this going uh, to a team mode thing, like a big change for you, or is it just a change to me watching you? Um, I think it'll be a change for you watching me and a lot of other people watching me. Um, the biggest thing about uh, me playing Duel is it's what I've been playing for like the last six or so years. But when I initially got into Quake, I was actually a very diehard team player. I was a very, very into TDM. Um, I tried CTF, but I had TFC, as you know, so I didn't quite get into that. But um, I initially started Quake Live as a team player, and I became a dual player when the team modes kind of sort of started dying out and becoming less populated. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. You, you collapse into what's still, what's still working, kind of parallel to uh, OBD and the TFC scene a little bit, Absolutely. perhaps. Which is something Absolutely. we'll definitely tuck into. <laughs> I hope we do. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that'll be for the end of the stream when, when we're a little bit more... Um, buzzed a little more free i got you I got yeah you. so we are we are drinking we encourage y'all to drink along with us drink responsibly um but uh you know whatever your drug of choice is this is uh normally on basement side we're we're a bit stuffy and i'll take responsibility for that like i'm a bit i'm a bit serious i like having real discussions but you know we've just been around this 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 bush a few times haven't we dan and we just we oh, gotta yeah, shake absolutely. things up 
We do, for sure. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you were streaming Quake Live. It looked like TDM practice just before this. Is that right? Yeah, I had spent most of the play- day playing Duel, actually, but then we were we successfully got one TDM game in right before the podcast was supposed to start, so I got to play one TDM game. Okay. But I did about five hours solid of just of just Duel. So. Hell yeah. And how'd you do? Um, I didn't play anybody who was quite near my level, which is, I guess that sounds kind of rude, but um, I won every single game except for two. I lost two games today. I lost one DM6 to Plague, and I lost one T7 to ZSX from the UK. How would you describe your level? Um, in Quake Live, or like sure. just in general? In yeah, Quake Live, either or both. In Quake in Quake Live, I feel very, I feel very, very close to the top, but there are players who still consistently beat me, so I don't feel like I'm the best player left in North America, but I feel like I'm very close. I don't feel like it's an unreachable goal. How many people do you think are better than you? Can you estimate it? Um, Zorak, Roar, Ray, and Jewel Bars are probably the three that are better than me in North America right now. Whenever you say Zorak War, it puts a big smile on my face because it calls back to... <laughs> I, I don't know if it's intentional, but Zorak is a character on Space Ghost. No, on Space no, Ghost. It's, a, it's, it's 100% intentional, I promise you. Yeah, we were joking about this on stream the other, the other night, and I, I think you had no idea what was going on. I have never seen the show, but I know what it is, so I have like a vague understanding of where the reference comes from, so, but I do know that that is where he got his name. My exposure to it, my recollection of it is it was a... Uh, a cartoon talk show hosted by a superhero named Space Ghost. And the people who were on his show and supported him were villains of his. So it was kind of a weird, like, a weird, like, antagonism between them. And the two main oh, okay. villains of Space Ghost are Zorak, who's like an insect alien. Yeah, and, yep, yep. And Moltar, who is a, a guy with a suit and a helmet. Um, okay. But it's it's kind of absurdist, like that they interview real world guests, and it's this kind of thing where it 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 looks like they're getting high on camera, and they like record for a few hours, and they they chop it up to make it look interesting and funny with the cartoon right, host. Right. <laughs> um, there's a really great one with uh, the lead singer from Radiohead, Tom York. Ooh, that would I'll, actually be very enjoyable to me. I'll have to find that. I'll hook you up, man. Um. Actually, if, if Azul's in the chat, I'm sure he has that link handy. He's a he's a fellow uh, fan and always has uh, is always ready with a link. God bless Azul him. Azul is Azul is a very prepared individual. Yeah, we all need a, we all need the Azuls in our life. God bless him. Yes, God bless the Azuls. So we were talking about Zorak, and before that, we were talking about uh, where you sit in terms of the, the, your your level, like your level. So what I'm trying to what I'm thinking about is like, you know, the last time we talked, you told me about how you were in a spot where you were going to really double down on trying to make, on trying to really make this esports thing a thing. And I've seen you stream a lot since then, of course. Um, I know you, you've, you've had some tournaments where um, I think you reflected that maybe you didn't do as well as you hoped you would do. And of course, you're a part of a team called Prevail, which I want to understand what the hell that is um how's that been going oh uh, it's been going really well um i definitely am doubling down on the esports thing um i'm getting my life in a position to where i can be a full-time gamer what does that mean first. that means i don't have to clock in anywhere that means i'm not employed technically is Word. what that means Word. so the how plan do you do is, that 
Um, pay rent forward. Um, I'm paying my rent through the end of the year. That's what I'm oh, working. Oh, so, so you're giving for. yourself a year runway. More or less, yeah. I'm or giving half myself. A year. Well, maybe yeah, about half a year. I'm giving myself yeah. about half a year. Um, I would really like to make it go from September to December, and then whatever the second tournament season. Just when diabolical's hitting. So you're you're really focused yes. on that. Yes, that is like honestly, to be completely frank, that is my primary focus in life right now is to make sure that I'm in a place where I can devote all of my time to diabolical. And be honest with diabolical, how much of it is? Yes, this is the game I always wanted, and how much of it is this is what's relevant and going to make this dream work? Is it mostly desire and passion, or is it mostly, you know, kind of the logical choice, or is it, or is it both? It is a combination of both. It is the logical choice, but at the same time, this is a game that is developed by former pros of the games that I love. So um, it is half um, perfect choice and half... Um, I really, this is really honestly, I was too young for Quake 3, and I was so I'm in this perfect middle ground to um, genuinely get to experience um, a Quake-style game that I'm really, really into on launch and hit the ground. So it's, it's definitely kind of half and half, I would say. Yeah, you're still in your 20s, right? I am in the tail end of my 20s. You're still in your 20s, which means you should be playing Call of Duty, I think, yeah, just yeah, demographically yeah, yeah. speaking. Demographically speaking, yes, but I'll, I'll, I will be the black sheep. I will be the exception. I will. I. I do not want to be the rule. Yeah, Ugh, Call of Duty. No, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I get. No, I, I get people you. like our friend Matt has been has played that game with with a bunch of his friends. I don't know. Um, also a good friend of mine and coworker, uh, has been really into into the call of, into the the recent battle royale, which I gather is a as far as battle royale games go, it's pretty good. But um, man. I've never seen you weigh in on Battle Royale. Uh, what do you think of it as a as a game, as a as a, as an outlet for competition? Do you have any opinions about it? If you wanted to play a proper free for all, you would load up Quake and go play that. Battle Royale is free for all except times a million with significantly higher RNG. The weapon mechanics are all like the combat mechanics are all much more punishing. It's like it's like someone took the Quake free for all idea and they were like, "Hey, what if like all the guns were like Counter-Strike?" That's that's yeah. how I feel about Battle Royale. Well, those... And I don't I don't dislike either of those things, but I don't think that they mesh together very well. Yeah, when I think that like the thing that Quake does so well is it's it's it sort of seems to me as someone who's not a Quake esports player or whatever, is it, it gives a really focused arena for competition. And um, especially like Quake Live, as opposed to like Quake Champions with the champion abilities and everything, Quake Live is a very pure. Like, I think the only RNG in Quake is is spawn location, right? Um, There's a little bit more. Um, but overall, yeah, spawn is definitely the most out, like the most, the thing you can't control the most for sure is where you're going to mm -hmm. spawn. For and the sure, more probably the most RNG. And I think the more layers of RNG you add to a competitive game, the more it becomes kind of casual friendly, where you can win just because you got lucky or because of some combination of factors that you didn't directly control. Whereas in a game uh, like Quake, the idea or the conceit is, I suppose, if you win, it's because you did something right. Right, right. And I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um I think that 
the more RNG you add, like you said, definitely makes it more um, forgiving for new players. Um, it's all about kind of sort of finding the best middle ground, and I don't think that Battle Royales have it. I think with honestly just how lucky you can get, you can land on the best items in the game, and then you're set for the rest of the entire game. And I right. that's completely, like, that's not fair. That's just very random. That's very lucky. So, I yeah, I would agree. So, speaking of finding that perfect middle ground between competition, pure and brutal, and a little bit of RNG to keep things interesting. Let's talk about how Diabotical is approaching that. All right, we let's... talked about Weebles in past podcasts. We talked about um, kind of the, 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 um, the gross morphological changes, like the things you can look at and see that's very obvious. Um, but other than the, 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 the Weebles and that kind of stuff, what is Diabotical doing to approach not just the pros, but also the people who are maybe spending time right now playing things like Valorant and Fortnite. Mm. The thing about what's making Diabotical, oh, it's so... Because Diabotical is just, honestly, it's just a true Quake 3 successor. Yeah. So the things that it's doing that kind of even up the playing field aren't so much RNG-induced gameplay elements, but more structural... Um, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, like social media elements. Um, it's more about if you want to play casual, there's going to be casual modes that are not going to have the crazy rule sets of the highly competitive Quake world. And the casual um, modes being stuff. like the arena modes, the, uh, the wipeout. The arena modes to an extent. Um, not not so much wipeout, but like um, the brawl, the uh, Weibo instigib. I know you were a big fan of that. Um, oh, hell stuff yeah. Stuff like that. You know, stuff for fun. You know, modes for fun. Dude, I love the Weibo in Diabotical. I, 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 one of the things about, about Quake that I always um, was always polarizing, at least for me internally, is that Instagib seems like it should be fun, but it ends up just kind of being a point-and-click contest. And, you know, I think that uh, Diabotical paradises that a little bit because they call their railgun the point-and-click rifle, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely so, paradises it. Which, you know, it's, it's solid as far as humor goes. Um, but the, the instagib weapon and the instagib modes for Diabotical is a, a bow with a bow with, with a projectile, but then they also give you an offhand zero self damage grenade that you can rocket jump around with. It's genius. Right. You can just you just fly around and shoot crossbows all day. And there's so many things that Diabotical can be doing that for if you want to play a game like Quake, but you don't want to sit there and be, you know, crushed down by some a-hole nerd who's been playing for 12 years and knows every corner of the map and where every item is and how often they're going to spawn, and you just want to have fun, there's going to be a lot of options like Weebogo, Weebo, Instagib, and Brawl. Especially Brawl is like a really... I really like Brawl because... What is Brawl? Brawl is free-for-all, except when you die, you spawn with whatever gun you were killed with. So instead of dying and not having anything and dying and not having anything, you die and all of a sudden you have a rocket launcher or you have a lightning gun or the shaft as they call it or a point and click rifle. So it's, it's the game, it's the way they're structuring it so that more casual people can have fun isn't more RNG based elements. It's just making sure that if that's what you're trying to do with the game, that you have that avenue to go down. And in the same token, it's making sure that us super competitive nerds have an avenue for us to go down to where we don't have to where you don't have to try to find a game with you know players who are super duper new and would not enjoy that yeah that's always a problem with um some old games that they didn't approach their design with that in mind like 
Um, I see it in, in TFC when the uh, the unicorn new player shows up in, into into TFC and like if they like look what the pickup scene is like, it's like oh my god! Like if they can even find it, right? I mean, TFC well, absolutely, absolutely not yeah. a great example. It's you know it's what we know, but not a lot of people have exposure to it in 2020. Or I'm thinking of a game like like Planet Side, which is another very unique game where um, you're always playing with everyone else who's logged in. There's a thousand players on a continent, and it's not match made. They're not different continents with different skill levels. All the best players play with all the worst players. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's like, and for Planet Side, something like that might work. But in Quake, you, it's just it's a lot like TFC. TFC is actually kind of a good example in that regard because a new player thrown in the pickup scene is just gonna get murdered if they're even allowed to play. Um, and in Quake, it's much of the similar kind of mindset because it takes so much experience that the older players don't want to play with newer players because they don't know what they're doing, and the newer players don't want to play with the older players because they don't know what they're doing. So making sure that they stay separate is, like, is to me the core of whether or not Diabolical will be successful outside of all of the Quake players playing it. Is that separation more of a, a game mode separation, do you think, or more of just like a critical mass matchmaking like distinction so i know like one of the big problems that quake champions has is that you just can't get into a game at certain like levels of skill or elo or however they do it uh, obviously you need a certain number of people in the matchmaking queue to get to be able to play consistently um so yeah what's your thought there um, I think uh, definitely game mode is gonna is not gonna hurt the situation. Making it so that there are casual modes and then super hardcore modes is a good idea because competitive players are naturally gonna go to where it's competitive and where there's money. So <clears throat> um, separating the two is good socially socially speaking, just so that that happens sort of naturally. But I think having a very rigorous matchmaking system, which it sounds like they definitely have in mind based on his last update, um, is also very, very important. And um, I think they're approaching it from both both sides of that argument. Yeah, let's have to wait and see. I don't know, I think that there's a decent chance that I might not have any impact on the matchmaking queue because I might just be having custom games with, with CPMA, Race Physics, and Weibo, and nothing else. Yeah. That might, that might be and, all I need out of Diabolical. <laughs> but, like, the thing is, it's that's what makes diabolical so great is you can have that you have you know what i'm saying you can you can create you can sort of recreate the niche of um of what you come from in diabolical so it's in a lot of ways it's like a very uniting sense yeah, like it's trying to bring people together from all these various arena fes games that we've all been playing for years also did they discontinue the trash bots they did. Thank the Lord. They discontinued <laughs> the trash bots. I am what? more. I am super happy. I gotta find a picture of the trash bot. Hang on, and then and then you, you can tell me the story of the trash bot. Diabolical trash bot. Okay. I need I need a Jamie here to hook me up with these links. Okay. I can't find one. In any case, um, what is a trash bot? So a lot of players were complaining about the egg bots. They said they're unnatural to aim at. They make it difficult to aim at. They're not as much fun to play with as a traditional cylinder-based hitbox that you would see from like a humanoid-sized player model. So they tested out trash bots and accurately, like their name, uh, they look like trash. 
Um, <laughs> and so they were scrapped because they just they don't look good. It would probably take too long to make them look good. And from my side personally, I am actually very very okay with it, the fact they trashed it because. I like that aiming in Diabolical has a slight nuance you'll have to learn. You're not aiming at something you normally, you know, it's not Counter-Strike, you're not aiming at a human, it's not Quake, you're not aiming at a robot. Mm -hmm. You're playing Diabolical, you're aiming at a little Eggbot. And I think that slight, because it's a very slight change that you have to make in your aiming style, but I still approve of it, I think it's good, I think it gives the game its own sense of character and confidence in that character. I was really, really against the trash bots. I was very happy to hear on the last update stream that they canceled them. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, what's going on here? I, I thought I had the impression, and maybe incorrectly, that the trash bots were uh, a way to address an issue with hitboxes, where the hitbox actually doesn't 100% line up with the, the egg model. But maybe I'm yes. misremembering that. No, 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 you're right about that. The egg model, um, last last I got to play, we got to play, yeah. uh, the egg models had a couple slight problems, one of which was um, the arms stuck outside of the, um, the hitbox, and the legs are a part of the hitbox, but you wouldn't think so because they're so small. Yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to go for function, sometimes you got to go for form. And I got to say, those trash bots were completely unmarketable. <laughs> yeah, they, it, they did not look appealing. There's no way. I was like, I was like, I really, really. I mean, they're a pretty talented dev team, obviously. Um, so they probably could have made it work, but I feel like it would have been an unnecessary work. Like it doesn't. I don't think it would have brought in any more people than Eggbox would have. So. Yep. Word. All right. Well, Diabotical's cool. Diabotical's a thing. Um, have you drank yet? I have a shot of Fireball in my hand. Should I take it? You should take it. Dude, this is not serious. This is we're we're not serious here. We're just chilling. We're just chilling here. Or at least we're making an attempt to. <laughs> so Prunes is trolling in your chat. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Prunes, Prunes is being Prunes. <laughs> Dan does sure. have lovely hair. It's true. I got to see him shake it out I, on before the stream started. When I saw him do it, I was like, dude, save it, save it for the show. People need to see this. But I got to I see can, it. I, I can I can tie it back and give him the proper the proper <laughs> shake out. Well, we'll we'll save it for the intermission. How's that? Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, okay, so we talked about diabolical when it's coming out, trash bots, random shit. Um, you are part of pre prevail prevail gaming, and yes, yes, I am. What what is that? What does that mean? So Prevail Gaming is a former Rainbow Six Siege team um, that got out of Rainbow Six uh, for, I actually don't know, I don't know anything about that game. But um, one of my old Quake Live friends, um, Arabux, approached me about them, uh -huh. and we got together, we had to sit down, and um, I told them basically kind of what I was looking for as a player, and they told me they could comply with that and it wouldn't be a problem, so I hey, signed those up to things? be with them. I am not a greedy person, so honestly, my biggest thing was when land tournaments show up, um, pay for my flight, pay for my hotel, and I don't care about anything else, really. Um, there's more specifics there that I don't feel comfortable going in on stream, just yeah, because dude. that's kind of a business side of things, but that's really all I was looking for. I'm almost 30 years old, I work plenty, I can pay for a roof over my head, like, if I want to make it so where um, I can work, or sorry, if I can play 
and not have to work, I will work sufficiently to make that happen. Um, I'm a very, I'm a very independent feeling kind of person, so I'm not, I, I'm not out here like, hey, like pay for everything in my life. That's Respect not, that. That's not what I wanted. So. There's, there's this image, this old image of the gamer, the, uh, you know, of of a student or a child of some or someone who can spend all their time playing video games because they have no responsibilities because they don't support themselves. They live in their mom's basement, et cetera, et cetera. Right, but right, it sounds right. like and you're not doing any of that no, shit. No, no, definitely not. Have not lived at home for a very, very long time. Do you time. live on your own? Um, I have a roommate, but I technically live, I guess you could call it living on my own. Yeah, well, you're independently, independent from, from your family or any other financial support. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Roommate's a totally normal situation. I got one, I'm married to it. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, so that's cool. So they are helping you get to tournaments and you're getting, and in return, um, you're, you're obviously wearing their, I see that you have their, um, their name on your stream. I see that you've, you have a lot of kind of branding going on, which makes sense. You know, like someone driving race cars, you know, you're oh, yeah, like absolutely. the prevail racer. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I am the race car driver from prevail. I'll take it. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. It's so sports like. I actually I actually love that shit. It's so cool. Um, so that gets you to the events. Uh, the other people you're going to be playing diabolical with are they also on on prevail? They are. They are. So we're, we've got like a starting lineup, and then we've got some people just kind of like hanging out, whether they're streamers or just kind of friends of prevail. Um, but there, we definitely are going to have. We're going to feel like our strongest lineup that we can. Uh -huh. Um much like a sports team and then there's a lot of people behind um the scenes as well and i would also like to say since you brought up the whole prevail branding thing um i really like the guys who had prevail they're very wholesome they're very they're very decent people um they're just honest everyday hardworking people um having conversations with them i really enjoy them so i'm actually pretty pretty happy that i was approached with this opportunity um because like i said uh any other org, any like serious org, like big name org, is gonna have a lot more weight to it because they have actual genuine like huge corporate sponsors, and there's a certain way you're gonna have to act on stream. There's a certain level of like professionalism, which is I'm not against. I feel like I'm a fairly professional person when I stream, but um, that kind of pressure while living an everyday like a normal life is kind of hard. And mm -hmm. with prevail, it's a lot more like you know like. They're a bit it's more hands more family off. Family esque, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more, it's more just kind of like we all kind of have a similar mindset about things, and we all get together and play games. And so I appreciate that, especially as an older gamer, and not you know a sixteen year old who's like, hey, this can be a viable career, yeah, because it's not. You know, I'm I'm twenty nine years old. Being a legitimate pro in a video game is something I can do for Diabolical for maybe one or two years. So it's worked out pretty well so far, I would say. How old are um are some of the other pros? Like like Rafa is in his thirties, right? They are. The thing the thing about Quick Pros is they're all my age, but the other thing about Quick Pros is they all became pros very, very young. Right. Um Cypher went to his first land, Avic went to his first land, fifteen, sixteen years old, Rafa went to his first land, I think eighteen, maybe nineteen, maybe even younger if you count Quake Four, but he wasn't quite a pro back then. Um so there's there's a lot of them start very young, and it's just one of those games where experience counts for so much, and there's been so little new blood in the game huh. that um, age doesn't seem the to arms be a race factor. is not as intense as it is for a newer definitely. title. Definitely, definitely. Um, 
That being said, though, there have been um, the Oddballs, Claus, who is the QuakeCon 2017 double champion, locked away with $200,000 that summer. Shit. It's not bad. 20, yeah, yeah, it's not bad. He's only like 21 years old. Um, there, it's, it's not that younger players can't learn and become incredibly good at Quake or Quake-style games. It's that they have no incentive to. Yeah. And when you say no incentive, you mean the tournament money generally isn't there. Yeah, yeah, the the financial side. I was actually talking about this on my stream the other day, but uh -huh. the reason that I never, like, was like, hey, I'm going to try to become a full-time Quake Pro is, like, A, like, while I was good, I was never, like, quite that good, especially in my heyday of Quake Live. But the other thing is, is back in the day, when they were running dual tournaments, you'd have a $25,000 QuakeCon prize pool, but 12000 of it goes to the winner. And right. then you got 12000 spread out amongst 16, 32 other competitors. It's right. like... You're gonna. I'm gonna fly down to Dallas. I'm gonna spend this money on hotel. I'm gonna spend this money on food. I'm gonna spend all this money to play in this tournament, and the experience would be amazing. But financially speaking, I'm at a total loss. Even if I make it in the green, I'm only gonna make like five hundred dollars. Like, yeah. Like, like there's there's <clears throat> not. And in and in today's world, money is a huge incentivizer. And if there's not enough money to play a video game, like if you can't make a living off it from tournament winnings, which is what a lot of the young young players are after, when they get into that scene, they're not interested. They don't care. Sure. Well, and which is understandable. Yeah. They, I mean, to some extent, maybe they should be. Like, honestly, if if you're gonna pour your your life's energy into something, you want to make sure it gives something back to you. Absolutely, and, you know, absolutely. Th there are people who, who make themselves completely content with playing games as a hobby, something they do after the fact. Like for me, I never felt the drive to become a, like a, a, an esports pro. It, like it's something that I thought about for like two seconds back when I was at my best in TFC in the early 2000s. But then I was like, eh, you know what? Even if I could make that a thing, I don't think I really want it. And I continue to enjoy games now. But I mean, I, and I, I found that this niche as a as a person who talks about games instead of playing them, which I, I think I honestly spend more time doing that now than I do playing games. Honest to God. Right, uh, right. But I love it, and there's 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 room there for me to grow, and also I, I don't have to have the reflexes of a 16-year-old to do it, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's something, like, and um, I have I have pretty good reflexes still, but, like, uh, you play younger players, and it's I feel my age when I'm playing somebody who's 16 and knows what they're doing. It's like... Yeah. They're fast they're faster than me. If it wasn't for my experience, I might not be able to beat them. Like huh. in terms of straight aim, younger players will always have an edge. I mean, it's the same in anything, you know, younger players in sports have they're just younger. They're more they have more vitality. They're they're more capable of being fast. Is it and more as you the... get older No, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask, is it more the case that as you get older your 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 aim becomes mechanically worse because of your kind of physiological body factors or is it more of a case that as time goes on aim is getting better is getting better everywhere and young people are just able to ramp up to that where whatever the top is at any given time more quickly does that make sense i think yeah no absolutely it does um because i have i definitely agree with you that aim across the board people nowadays are better now than they ever were before and everything the yeah. hate the heyday of tfc players back then if you put them straight now without any practice it would be a struggle for them. Oh yeah. Um, like I, so, I totally believe I'm a better TFC player today than I was 18 years ago. Oh, and for sure. For I, sure. I was among the best 18 years ago. Today I'm average at average at best. 
Like, like there's just a, a march of progress where if you don't stay at the leading edge of that curve and keep keep Im improving along with the curve, you become relatively worse, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think that people's aim deteriorates super duper bad as they get older. I think that's kind of a myth. Um, I do think that, I mean, biology is biology. It will get worse, but if you've been playing games for half your life like you and I have, it's not like you're going to forget how to play. It's just that everybody else who's coming up under you has all of this... They have all these resources that we did not have. We oh, had yeah. to figure it out kind of by hand. It was a trial and error. And for them, it's used like... to play okay, with mouse acceleration on. Right, right. <laughs> and, or mouse excel. You used to play on ball mice. We used to play on 60 hertz monitors. Like... And nowadays, everybody knows how to set it up. They know how to get the best frame rates. They know how they know how important uh, refresh rates are. Two hundred and forty hertz at... monitors, honestly. Exactly. And yeah. then and then think think about the gaming mice you were capable of buying in your heyday of TFC, and the gaming mice available now. Everything yeah. has gotten so much exponentially better. It's exploded, <coughs> and so as a result, younger players are more inclined to become better faster for that reason. Like yeah. you said more tools, more access, more opportunity. Right, absolutely, more resources. Word. How big do you, th I mean, okay. So you and the rest of your prevail bros and, and ladies, I don't know. Um, there's a couple, they're not diabolical, but there's a couple of prevail ladies. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is it, what, I'm trying to understand prevails kind of general business. I, I get what they're doing for you, do they have similar arrangements with people in other games, or is it more of like a streaming sponsorship? Like, what's your understanding of, of the, the broader thing that is Prevail? Um, as uh, the broader sense of Prevail, honestly, I feel like they're, because they're, they're more of like a hobbyist org. It's not, this is not what they do for a living. You know what I'm saying? They have jobs. They're self-sufficient. This is something they do and support and love for fun. Um... So with Prevail, right now, I don't think they sponsor anybody else. I know they've got some streamers. I know they've got, like, a little WoW guild. I've seen them talking about it on okay. the Discord. Um, they have a lot of games in the Discord. I did notice that. They do. They do, absolutely. Um, they're def they are definitely gamers. They, they play a little bit of everything. So um, with Prevail, I think it's more that they sponsor games that they're genuinely into, which is why I think they sprung up as a Rainbow Six siege team because i know uh one of the head head honchos um warlord elite was a very big rainbow six fan hmm. so he was like he was like hey i want to sponsor a team for this i really like this game i really want it to go somewhere so i think it's more um what they're passionate about versus like what's financially viable because if it was what's financially viable they wouldn't be sponsoring a quake player all due respect i love you prevail don't pull my sponsorship <laughs> but like straight up there's not a whole lot of money to be made in quake so yeah well, that's cool i mean it, it, it's good to know that there are, there are teams or organizations out there like prevail that are helping people live out their passions this way and 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 see if there's a niche that can be broken into it, it's almost like to your point, it's it, it's cool that it honors like um, more than just the most successful things. Like right, there right. there are plenty of things out there where it's just just Fortnite because that's what makes the most money, or it's just whatever other game, League of Legends, Dota, two, League Dota. Of Legends, yeah, yeah, all because, the games that we don't play. <laughs> yeah, and if you go that way, you can, but you're you you become even if you're a 
pretty big fish. You're in an enormous pond in those things. And it, it seems much more of an interesting choice to be like, no, we're going to focus on stuff where there's, there, there is some headroom, but maybe not the most. Cause those, those things actually, um, they're, they are an actual niche instead of just the lowest common denominator, what the, the what the default gamer is playing in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I think as time marches forward and esports continues to grow like it has, which is beautiful, um, we will see more and more orgs like prevail where it's like, we're not really in it for the money. We're not really in it for anything other than this is just something that we love. We want to see it continue and prosper as much as it can. And we will do what we can to make that happen. And so, um, I'm definitely happy that I got to be kind of on the ground floor of something that's um, more grassroots, I guess, to describe it um, in its in its uh, semblance. Um, but I do think that as we move into the future that there will be more and more of that because there are so many people that are so passionate about their game, but nobody knows about it. And, like, we both come from TFC, which is a prime example. Nobody knows that TFC had such a huge, thriving clan scene for most of its life. Yeah. But we do, and, like, if it hadn't had been 2002, but maybe uh, 2018 when TFC kind of took off and had this niche but very active community, it might have been a lot different. We might have seen a lot more land tournaments for TFC, which I think would have been amazing. Oh, man. Getting my juices flowing talking that way. There, like that th that era of, of of clan TFC is such a high moment for me in terms of like my my gaming past. You know, it's 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 been a long road for me getting to the point where I've decided I'm gonna try to do this podcast thing. <clears throat> and the last stop along the road before I started to sit down and recording with people was I keep reliving out. I I keep repeating this behavior where I identify a new game that I think I'm gonna be able to find a great community of people in and plug into and have fun playing and relate to people and connect with them. And the same way I did all the way back in 2002, 2003, like literally trying to recreate the experience of clan TFC. And I keep not getting it. I keep not finding it in the destinies. I keep not finding it in the world of Warcrafts. I keep not finding it in even the, the small games like planet side, stuff like that. And, uh, I, I, I decided that rather than try to find a community that I was going to try to make one instead and uh the podcast seemed like an obvious way to, to get started and then it just start, started becoming a fun thing for its own sake actually uh late recently I, i've decided that i'm gonna make a little bit of a a course i'm not gonna say course correction but like a course refinement in terms of how i approach this my, my, my goal has been to do something every week sometimes i get there sometimes i don't but um i really want to push basement side this podcast as an interview show talking with gamers, streamers, developers, people in the gaming world. Because I don't think anyone else is really doing it. And I don't think that people are having the kinds of long-form patient, converse, patient conversations to really understand the way people are connecting and the value that there is in that. And the way that, 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 the way that games are mechanically designed to either promote that or antagonize it. Um, I, and you know, I think this is a pretty non-controversial statement that the, the gaming right now is the most uh, valuable art medium in the world. There's more money going into video games than there is into movies, into TV, 
into all the the old world art mediums too of course and i would agree with you would in 50 years and 100 years or even sooner people are going to look at gaming as the default art medium and things like like passive movies and tv shows are going to be like watching like a a silent movie from the 1920s it's like what you I can't agree. you can't interact with this there's no agency ugh why would i bother it's so weird and vintage uh and I we're agree. at the start of it and because of the internet and tools like Twitch and Discord, it's like the start of history here with this. And you agree it, you agree with it, you feel it. I think a lot of people feel it, but people don't know how to talk, like what it is or how to talk about it. And I just think that there's an avenue to explore that. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm 100% on board with you with that. Um, I think... The thing about gaming that really brings people together and um, why there hasn't been a whole lot of content or anything is the interactivity and the way that it actually tests your mental... Like, you learn, especially if you go... Well, I, guess, I shouldn't say especially. From my perspective, at the very least, being a very competitive person has taught me... A very competitive person in video games has taught me so much about myself outside of video games. And while a great book or a great film or a great album of music will make me reflect and make me think, video games have made me alter, have made me change how I approach things and how I live my life. Because when you hit, and again, this is coming purely from a competitive side of things, when you hit a point where you realize that you're not doing as well as you should be, not because of anything outside of your realm of control, but because of your own personal decisions, that's not something I could have learned from a book or a movie or whatever the case may be. That's something that I learned from my interactivity in a virtual world on a computer. And it's a very forward-thinking momentum, but like you said, we are in the infancy and I used to think that, like, your heyday was the infancy when you mm -hmm. were a TFC player in 2003, 2004, 2002. No, that's like the Library of Alexandria. That's prehistory. Yeah, man. yeah, that's prehistory. <laughs> like, straight up, that is the most accurate description. That is prehistory. We are in the infancy now. And yeah. everything that came before it was just the building blocks of the evolution to this point. Yeah, it's like the Great and Pyramids, 20... <laughs> yeah, and in 20 or 30 years from now, you and I will both be sitting here on this podcast having a drink and being like, what the fuck happened to this thing that we loved? It's huge. It's enormous. It's branched out into so many different ways. I'm very excited for the future of video games because it's becoming more and more socially acceptable, and as a result, more and more people are pouring serious creative and intelligent um, ideas into the medium. And I think that there's been a lot of rocky missteps, but I do think that in the future, some truly great art is going to be made through video games. And some people would argue that truly great art has already been made, but I don't feel like we've hit that pinnacle yet. I don't think that the medium is still controlled by the financial dollars, and as a result, it's held back based on popular demand but as that demand changes as people are growing up people who grew up with like what we're talking about as a normal thing for you and i it was rare but for other people for the younger kids they're growing up with this like it's a normal thing like there are some people who are just good at video games and they compete mm -hmm. or there mm -hmm. are some good there are some people who are just 
good at talking to people through video games, and there are some people who can create truly beautiful stories through video games, and I think that all of that's going to come together in the future, and it will really push gaming out of, and it's mainstream now, but like it'll really push gaming into an echelon where it is very seriously regarded there's yeah. no academy awards for video games yet. yeah there's no oscars there's no well there is there, there's a yearly gaming show that what's his face jeff Keeley hosts right 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 but yeah it, it doesn't have the same weight and gravity as as those as those uh no no they're not they're it's not as socially accepted yet no no not yet yeah you aren't going to talk but, to your parents about about who was nominated for uh best right. facial animations in a video <laughs> right, game right <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But our kids might talk to us about it. Oh, for sure. For that sure, generational for sure. shift is everything when it comes to, to changing the acceptability of art mediums. Okay, so this is one of my favorite topics. Um, talking about video games as art. Are they art yet? Will they be art? What is art? And um, I think one of the most interesting um, insights about this that I've heard, not from the side of folks who believe that art is already being made in the video game medium, but that art could be made in the future, um, that it's not here yet, is has to do with, with the medium of interactivity. Um, and I, I think it was, it was Siskel or Ebert, uh, one of them is alive and one of them is not. It, the one that's not alive, I think, is the one who has a quote out there where he says that, that games will be art when, when I can interact with them in a way that I don't have to become fluent in like I, I'm, I, I already know like when you can be in the world and be in it the same way you're in the real world. Um, That's a pretty good thought actually. I had not, but yeah. Okay. Think about okay. how we inter interact with, with, with games today and also how they're held back by, by the medium of interaction. Um, you and I both play games that predominantly rely on these mice and keyboards these oh, games sure. can exist and they can have popular adoption because people are already using mouse and keyboards for computers in their home for productivity or actually in 2020 more accurately probably computers at, at their jobs um because with the with the plurality of cell phones not a lot of people need personal computers anymore unless they're true, playing games true. right 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 so yeah and then with 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 gaming consoles I think the toy the, the the toy perception for gaming consoles very much comes from the fact that you use a controller, which looks and feels like a toy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think as we move further and further in the future, um, just a quick aside, consoles will become even more and more. They already are basically PCs with a built-in operating system, to make them more user friendly. But I think as we move further and further into the future and competitive standards become more and more um, um, widespread, that uh, controllers will eventually become relegated to where they're necessary. Side-scrolling games, fighting Like an old-school experience. Single-player. Right, exactly, like exactly. Your grandpa controllers to play your old games. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I don't think that there's any genuine dispute on what is the better mechanism for controlling a video game. It's a mouse and keyboard hands, especially in a 3D environment. Well, for, even... for fine-tune, like, like 3D map to 2D, um, like, uh, orientation, yes. But if if we change the way that we're, we're seeing games, like, for example, if we're looking at them through, a through like, a headset, 
Um, I've, I've actually, uh, VR is one of those things that I'm, I'm ashamed that I'm not, it's not, I, I haven't experienced it yet, but, um, I, I can't imagine that putting on a VR headset and controlling your POV with a mouse would be anything other than disorienting. Have you, have you done VR much? I have done VR actually. And, um, I actually think that VR is going to be the breakthrough. So to tie this back into the quote that you brought up, to make it intuitive and fluent in a way that you don't have to learn how to use the tools to make it happen, I think VR is the future. But VR is not anywhere close to where it needs to be in order for that to happen. But in 20 years from now, this could be an entirely different conversation. Yeah. And we'll be talking about mice and keyboards like relics of the past. Yeah, people Um, will have cell phones embedded in their wrists that connect their eyeballs. Right, exactly, 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 exactly. There's there there's a definite future in VR once it becomes fine tuned and the hardware becomes strong enough. Because right now you have to have a hell of a setup to run VR in a way that is truly immersive and a ton of physical space. So and a it's, ton it, of physical it's space. not just yeah, the hardware. It's you have to have like like however many hundred square feet in in a house to do it which is right right there's 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 a lot of limitations to vr for as great as vr currently is there are still a lot of limitations to it but i do think that in the future like because i i like honestly think about it think about it imagine a game where you can move as fast as you do in quake but it's it looks like you're literally jumping you're literally straight jumping but you know you're not sitting on a computer you know swinging your mouse around you're just you're literally just thinking it and that i do believe like i said like matrix style right exactly you're literally plugged into a different world Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is think it and it becomes a reality or like at least think it and you can at least execute an action i think is definitely when the medium will cross the line and people will be like, okay, this is truly genuinely some Man, real shit. That's a fucking high bar to for, for for people to turn around and be like, yep, it's art. I mean, it's it's a continuity, right? There's no switch over. But yeah, at the point where that kind of technology exists and is accessible to most people, it's easy to see. Then yeah, that would be, that's the moment. Oh, for sure. Shit, Absolutely. Dude. Absolutely. That's the moment. That's the moment for sure. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know how it is with you, dude, but the older I get, the less time I spend consuming passive entertainment. No, absolutely. I am am the same way. Um, People tell me about new TV shows all the time, and I'm like, uh, I'll try to watch it when I can. You watch, like, the best ones, like the Game of Thrones, at least season six. Yep, yep, yep. The ones ones that I know are going to be good, the ones that I know are going to be good, I will watch. The ones that are like, hey, I think it's good. But then I go and look at what most people think, and I'm like, eh, you think it's good, and that's fine. It appeals to you. It, I, you identify with it. That's fine. But for me personally, like, if it doesn't, if it's not the top tier, I don't give a shit. If it's not The Wire, if it's not Game of Thrones, if it's not Breaking Bad, you know. The first I couldn't finish The Wire, man. That show wore me the fuck out. The, the it's Wire brilliant. is a stressful show. It it's is. Brilliant, it is, but, but it is. Man. Oh man, it makes it it just makes you feel bad, man. You're just like, fuck, dude, how do we keep doing this? (laughs) (laughs) That show is one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I I don't remember the context of it, but it's a bunch of a bunch of people sitting around a a table in a conference room and they're talking about how to manage some kind of school budget or something like that. And it's like, oh, well, you know, these kids, they need more books and they need more supplies. And then on the other side of the table, 
um, someone says something like, uh, oh, well, you know, these, these kids don't need more schools and supplies. Like they need, they need stable families. They need their parents to have jobs. Like it's a, it's a big, difficult problem to solve. And then the retort is, oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't think we need, you know, a super nuanced understanding of society to, to address this, to address, to address this problem. And then the quote is, the quote is, I don't know, man, I think you need a lot of context to seriously examine anything. This comes from season five. It comes from, uh, his name is Gus in the show. I don't remember the oh actual name. Oh my God, you're disgusting. <laughs> I, read the exact quote. I, I love The Wire. I love The Wire, so I can tell you. I think you need a lot of context to examine anything. It's from Gus. I don't remember his last name in the show, um, but it comes from season five because it comes from uh, season five. They examine the news reporting industry, a.k.a. the... Uh, 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 the newspaper industry. Yeah. So, dude. But yes, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and um, I kind of agree. I kind of agree with him. I think you need a lot of context to examine anything, and I think anything taken out of context uh is important. What a fantastic guy, quote. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's like I don't know. I'm we're really meandering now, but. Like, oh, for sure, but you said this I kinda... is chill. I'm about, to take a, I'm about to take another shot of vodka, so yeah, man. Uh, we're chill. Yeah, it's going down, dude. Um, this ridiculous cocktail that I'm drinking. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm rocking my, my, favorite, uh, mi uh, my, my favorite diet mixer, Zevia Cream Soda. If you've never heard of this, it's stevia sweetened, so it's supposed to not destroy me. Right, right. I guess right. well. I guess we'll know in fifty years if that was true. <laughs> I guess so. Good luck, Drake. <laughs> I got, I got some some Captain Morgan, which is just lying around, not something I usually drink. And my wife has some amaretto, so I'm combining all these things together. You better Definitely be getting buzzed. Definitely getting yeah, buzzed. You better be careful with that. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Anyway, we were saying about that quote from The Wire that I think you need a lot of context to seriously examine anything. That is one of my favorite quotes because it, it, it encapsulates a philosophy of approaching problems that is like anti-reductionist. I think we live in a society, like a Twitter-based society, a headline-based society, a give-it-to-me-fast type society where oh, the default way to approach, a, approach any problem is to reduce it. Uh, yep, yep. To make it as simple as possible to identify who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. Okay, I'm going to go with the good guy. Or you decide who the good guy and bad guy is based on whether they believe what you believe or signal what you signal. And it's a, it's a fucking tragedy. We're seeing it now and out, out in the world, like coming up uh, against, against reality, like all the riots we've been seeing, all the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, like, and I, I ask myself, I mean, this, this, is, this is too big of a problem for me to understand it all the way. Like, you need a lot of context to seriously examine anything. I don't have all the context here, but why is this way that we, is this problem that we're seeing, this Twitter headline-based society, is this just how people are? Or is this a, an artifact of the way that companies came together and the way that the capitalist and monopolistic-type societies work? Um, is this something we can get past, or is this just who we are? I struggle with um, that. Do you have any ideas, dude? Um, I actually have a lot of ideas, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say my piece about that. I think for a lot of the ways that we're in the infancy of the gaming world developing, like we said, um, social media 
So, so just a little, a little anecdotal personal backstory. Um, I've been aware of the internet and I've been on the internet since you know 2002, 2003. I didn't start gaming heavily until 2007. That being said, I was aware of it. And when I was growing up and I was taught about the internet, I was taught that you don't put your personal shit out there. You know, you don't, you don't. Don't expose it, yourself. Exactly. It's, it's a tool to gather information, not to spread your own information. Mm. Unless you have something worthwhile to say. Um, I think social media and the way that a lot of younger people view the internet is very different from how we view the internet. Which is, we use the internet as a tool, and for them the internet is... Um, a place to live. I wanna, yeah, yeah. I want to say life, that feels dramatic, but like honestly, for them the internet is life. Um, you communicate, you coordinate, you coalesce through the internet for the younger people. And I was always taught that on the internet you should be anonymous. You don't want anybody to know who you are on the internet. And I think there's a really big divide in older and younger people on the internet in that way. And so the headline, the headline grabbing, the, the, the propaganda-esque, the lack of context to examine anything internet that we live in, right now is a product of that infancy trying to grow up and i think as we move into the future that will become less and less predominant i feel like there's a very big cultural shift happening where we're we're going from a very highly centralized highly um out of our reach sense of information reaching us Mm -hmm. back down to a more locally oriented, more locally organized sense of communities rising up. Mm. And I think a lot of the protests and the Black Lives Matters are a reflection of that. They're individual communities that are really springing up and saying that this overarching centralized sense of govern, govern, governing, for lack of a better way to put it, mm -hmm. is is not serving our particular interests. And I think as we move into the future, things will become more and more decentralized. And I think we're in the very, very beginning stages of that, so it feels very weird. But right now, the internet is absolutely used as a headline-grabbing, you know, say the most provocative thing you can, get as many retweets, likes, subscriptions as you can. And I think as we move into the future that will like slowly die off but i think it's a product of the times that we we came from versus the times that we're moving forward into yeah yeah people are growing up actually something you 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 just said really resonated with a thought that i've had in the past which is um looking at human history right you our societies have changed a lot in the last you know hundred and let's be honest couple few hundred years tremendously 50 years 50 years yeah in the last one year like the <laughs> rate yeah yeah <laughs> the rate of change is 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 accelerating and but that doesn't that, that doesn't but the way how fast we are evolving as a physical animal is not keeping pace with that so we're still have all these structures in our brain and in our bodies that is oriented towards survival like this kind of tribal survival hunter gatherer like we're we're yeah. still fighting amongst our fellow creatures on the earth yeah 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 right and you can imagine like as a as a hunter gatherer in some you know the, the tribe in the uplands if you run into someone out when you're hunting that looks nothing like you 
Like, there's some utility in fucking off and not interacting with someone who doesn't look like you because you don't know what their what their world is like. They might be carrying diseases. They might have ill intentions towards you. You probably can't communicate with each other, or, or if you can, maybe not very effectively. And, like, we have these, these brutal sensibilities that are based on tribal survival that are being played out. And, let's be honest, played upon... Absolutely, absolutely. By, by people who who stand to gain from from polarizing and from creating a distraction of the weak from a real issue. Like I think that there's this big headline going around today that um, Will Smith and his wife uh, Jada have a, have an open marriage, an open relationship, and it's like I saw a, a really great comment um, uh, on a Twitter thread about that, saying something to the effect of. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great and all, but what's going on with the killers of, um, oh, God, what's her name? It escapes me. Brianna Taylor. Yes, of Brianna Taylor. Like, yeah, yeah, like, that's real. That's actually real shit. That's actually something you should give a <laughs> shit about. The fact that Will Smith and his wife might want to fuck other people is really not relevant to you, me, or anybody else other than Will Smith and his wife. It is kind of titillating, though. You gotta be, I gotta be honest. I mean, on a personal level, yeah, it's kind of titillating, <laughs> but... So, yeah. Uh, so you think that we're going to grow up. And I guess what I was starting to say when I was going back to this whole tribal survival bullcrap is just that is, is, is the idea that in the grand scheme of human society, having access to every other person in the world and their thoughts is completely new. And 100%. Just like, like we didn't know what to do with... new. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like we didn't know what to do with nuclear weapons in the 50s. And arguably still today, let's be honest. We no one knows what to do with this power that we have. It, it's it's like we're 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 a teenage superhero who has no idea how to how to handle themselves. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly, and, and, I would agree with that. Hopefully we grow the fuck up. Hopefully we grow I the have, fuck up. I have I have faith that we'll grow up just because um I am not like I'm a fairly cynical person, but at the same time there's a belief in me about the core of humanity that extends whether you believe a person is bad, good, or otherwise. We're all human, and all humans have a sense of trying to become better from what we came from because that's what makes us human. That's, 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 that's what separates us from a lot of the life around us, you know. Um, we're very intelligent. We're very, we're very capable of changing things. Yeah. So, Adaptation machines. Exactly, exactly. We are adaptation machines, and I feel like things are happening so fast right now that the adaptations that are happening aren't going to be apparent until down the road, and we're going to be like, oh, okay, so this is how we psychologically handle this level of bullshit, I guess, is we, this is how we do it, and I think in the future, it'll be a lot different, but right now, we're just, we're in this strange melding pot of all these things coming to fruition all these built-up tensions from years and years and decades and centuries for some situations um of of things being done one particular way and the thing about change is you've always got those half of the people that are completely against it because they don't want to and you've got the other half that are completely for it because they want to see something new and mm -hmm. i think there's a lot more people that are vying for something new than there are for who want to stay the way that it is. And in 10, 20, 30 years from now, I think the social landscape of what is and isn't acceptable socially 
will be so different that they'll look back on this time, like you said earlier with TFC, as like almost like the Great Pyramids of Giza, or or the Lighthouse of Alexandria, or the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It will be, it will be so distant psychologically, even though it's so close physically that it will be hard to differentiate the two. Dude. Uh, that's awesome. I had no idea you were such a philosopher, Dan. No I idea. Think, I think quite a bit, Darth Greg. So if you ever want to have a podcast where we don't talk about gaming, we can totally do I that. I think we're having it now. I think we are. I think you're right. But I, I think what we have to do right now is take a little break. My bladder needs needs some relief. Uh, when we fair. come back, when we come back, more philosophy, maybe. We're also going to talk, I think, a little bit about what's going on in Twitch land right now. Oh, the big headlines. Oh, I was wondering if we were going to hit that. Which is spicy. All right. I, I definitely oh, want to hit that. super spicy. It's too I know good. you want to hit that. All <laughs> right, will you take your break? I'm going to sit here. I will relax. I will wait for you to come back. All right, y'all. We'll be back in a few minutes. And we're back talking basement side with Davis. Davis and Deeg, uh, twin philosophers aiming our sights at the woes of gaming and social media. What did we say we were going to talk about next? I believe it was general uh, gaming happenstances. Oh, um, yeah. I know where you want to lead in with that. Yes. So I'm just going to say it. You want to talk about Dr. Disrespect and all the shit that's been going on on Twitch and in the gaming world in general lately. Hell yeah, man. I'm going to pull that up. So um, I'll, I'll lay the, the groundwork here <clears throat> and we'll pick it up from there. So Dr. Disrespect, one of the biggest streamers anywhere and the biggest on Twitch has a multi-million contract with Twitch, just got banned from the platform out of nowhere, and everyone wants to know what the fuck. He was uh, uh, had a temporary ban last year when he uh, made the, uh, the intelligent move of streaming from inside of a public bathroom. Um, I don't know how that violates the community guidelines in terms of service, but it's easy to imagine that uh, maybe you don't want to be recording people in a place where privacy is assumed. Uh, anyway, he came back from that, but it seems like he's not coming back from whatever's going on now. There's been a bunch of reactions all over the place about how what's going on. Twitch owes us an explanation. Dr. Disrespect doesn't know what's going on here. And you tweeted the following. And if I got this, <laughs> if I did this right, we're going to show it here on the stream. You're going you're gonna to directly quote my tweet? Damn. All right, I'm not going to quote you. I'm going to show it on the stream, dude. All right. That's fine. Actually, I am going to quote you, too. Actually, why don't you read it? Your voice, <clears throat> or you can okay. summarize it. No, no, I, I will gladly... Um, I'm going to read my entire thread, all right? Okay. So I'm going to start from the very beginning. So I'm what I said was, look, there's been a lot going on in the gamer world, but anyone who's shocked that Dr. Disrespect is banned is just naive. The poster boy for Toxic Man Children... Being removed, color me astonished, never saw it coming, no way. Can't roll my eyes hard enough. And I replied to that with, to those of you defending him, this is a guy who was so privileged he thought the idea of recording in a bathroom was a perfectly fine idea. This kind of mindset does not stop there. As I said, naive. People have served time doing for doing precisely what he did in that situation. Um, and I just want to um, expound upon those thoughts because that might seem out of context and as we said earlier you need a lot of context to discuss anything you're here my biggest thing with dr disrespect um i never really particularly enjoyed his um 
content, but that was beyond the point. I have never said anything this aggressive ever, period, when it comes to someone like Dr. Disrespect, who is an immensely successful streamer, who has incredible production values for his stream, who is good at what he does. That being said, I have known people in my personal life who thought it would be a smart idea to record a video in a bathroom. And I can tell you that even if the video you are recording is not sexual at all in any way, shape, or form, you can catch a charge for that. That is highly illegal. That is highly not cool. So the fact that he felt as comfortable doing it, and this was at E3. E3, this was a major gaming convention, and he was going to use that convention and record this style of video for the advancement of his own brand. And that kind of thinking with that kind of activity tends to follow the kind of thought lines of someone who really doesn't give a shit, who really just thinks they can do whatever they want. So everybody is saying that he's moving to a new platform or he's he's got this, that, and the other thing. Right, because this happened at the same time as Mixer closing its doors and Ninja exactly. and Shroud getting those huge payouts on the right, contracts. Right, right. Absolutely. And so my beef with him isn't so much that he's a super successful streamer and I'm just some jealous little asshole. What my beef is is that he is purposely bending the rules and breaking the rules for the furtherment of his own brand, and he's in a position where those decisions don't have serious ramifications. And that makes me upset. Because I, as a Quake streamer who averages 20 to 30 viewers a stream, cannot go into a bathroom and make a joke stream and make a joke video and not expect very serious, and not, I'm not talking about Twitch suspended my account for a couple weeks ramifications. I'm talking about, you'll see me in fucking court ramifications. Like I said, I've known people who thought that this was also a decent idea and recorded a video in a bathroom and were pressed with actual criminal charges. Shit. They didn't record, they didn't record anybody's genitalia, they didn't record anything that would be considered, um... Uh, subversive, I guess. But the fact that, like you said, you're recording a video in a bathroom where privacy is assumed because it's a fucking bathroom, that they all of a sudden got hit with a legal, a legal suit. And so, um, after that, I became a very not big fan of 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 Doctor Disrespect because that is that is a level of power abuse that goes along with people doing other very heinous shit behind the scenes. And some people tip are saying Tip of the iceberg you, type, type deal. Yeah, tip of the iceberg. Exactly, exactly. It's what you know. That's what you got to know. You have no idea what he's done behind closed doors. Sure. And people who think in a way that that's an acceptable um, thing to do to further your own brand will think in other destructive ways that are destructive to other people but not themselves. And so I I probably tweeted prematurely. I definitely tweeted way more aggressively than I should have, but I felt very strongly about you it. You clearly feel strongly about it. Do. Yeah. And it's, 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 I don't give a shit 
if that's his platform. If you want to be that guy who pretends to be the 14-year-old who wants to be a, a diehard video gamer, whatever, that's fine. You want to be, you want to appeal to that audience, that's fine. That's your life to live. It's not for me to tell you otherwise. But when you start doing stuff like that and aren't seriously reprimanded for it, I don't see any other world logically where you don't do something else just as stupid. And I think that it caught up with him. And I could be completely wrong. I don't know anything. I could be 100% completely wrong. I'm not saying that I can't be. I'm saying that logically it fits the pattern with everything we've seen going around that he did something very seriously and it's caught up with him. Twitch would not have banned him otherwise. And the fact that nobody else is talking about it and the few people who do seem to know something are saying that it's too sensitive to put on Twitter or whatever yeah. the case may be right now. Yeah. Indicates it certainly to me paints a picture. It definitely paints a picture of somebody who did something extremely egregious, very offensive, didn't probably think it was offensive or bad when he did it, but I now in the caught. social eye or wouldn't get caught is now catching up to him. This is a guy Dr. Disrespect is the literal face of Twitch, especially after Ninja and Shroud signed the mix deals mm -hmm. that you were talking about earlier. They made their money. They're, they're, they can do whatever the fuck they want for the rest of their life. They don't have to stream another yeah, day in smart. their life. If they're smart, exactly. Dr. Disrespect is one of those guys that made Twitch what it is. And for Twitch to ban him, and for there to be so little information actually released about it, <clears throat> does not paint a picture of someone who took a sponsorship deal under the table, somebody who violated his contract. No, this paints the picture of someone who committed an actual crime. And like I said, my words are pure speculation. I don't know shit. But I am saying that based on the psychological mindset you would have to be to do what he's done in the past to further his brand, I don't imagine a world where this doesn't end badly for him. Yeah, and he he came out and uh, made this this <laughs> chicken shit statement. Uh, very very PC statement doesn't ad say anything. Yeah, addressing his fans, Champions Club, Twitch has not notified me on the specific reason behind their decision, which is very weaselly type language. Firm handshakes for all the support during this difficult time. I think his wife also came out in in support. So she did on Instagram. Yep, yep. She one did. one can presume that whatever the, the difficulty is, it's not something that that splits his wife's and his interests. Although that's that's a whole world. Um, that's yeah, that's a whole another conversation yeah. that would be pure speculation from you and I. So with all due respect, I would rather not go into that. Oh sure, and I don't intend to at all. Just highlighting the the unfathomability of that factor. Uh, Prunzi in the chat is is rightly pointing out that has not notified me doesn't mean that he doesn't know. It just means that he doesn't know from Twitch specifically. It's 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 a PR cop out. Or is what that tweet he is. doesn't know which of his infractions he's been banned for. It could be that there are multiple things he's aware of that could have gotten him banned, and he doesn't know which one it is. I had honestly not even considered that thought, but you're not wrong. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I'm not that familiar with Doctor Disrespect or his content. I know that he's a huge successful streamer with massive, impressive production values. Um, and he plays a bunch of games I don't care about, which is fine. Um, and I don't know him as a as a creator, as a, or, or from a personality outside of his persona. I don't know him. Um, I actually don't have a lot of familiarity with what exactly happened in that that bathroom video. Was it just like 
he was streaming on the show floor and had to take a piss, and his cameraman followed him in. He 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 was basically, yeah. or was like a, a like a plan thing. Like, it. Yeah. No, he was he was trying to like it was like it was like a troll. It was like a, I like I don't know how else to put it. He okay. was. I get the intent. The intent behind the idea of the video was not bad. Choosing to disregard all social and legal protocol and record it in a bathroom is where I draw an issue so, with what he did. Do you think that, I mean, obviously it was a mistake um, to do that in hindsight. I wonder if he understood it was a mistake in the moment. Like, I mean, like, so one of the things that you said <clears throat> um, is you painted a picture of him being the post, strong words, the poster boy, man-child. Yes, yes, which, which yes, you know, yes, and uh, just fine. And um, it seems to be that you have the impression that this kind of behavior for him is just is just one example of stuff that he does. I don't know what other things he does are. So maybe, like, what what other kinds of things have you seen from him that give you the idea that this the is grades. just. He degrades his opponents. He talks down to people. He portrays himself as being on a pedestal and untouchable. He, um, his Fortnite username is two times champion. Um, is that just part of his character? Like, there, there's a distinction between the and character... That's what, and, that's, and that's what people tell me. That's part of his character. It's okay. part of this. It's part of that. But this is a guy who's been in the gaming world outside of streaming for a very long time. He was, he was a developer a at one point, right? He was a developer for Call of Duty, which is one of the most toxic video games of all time. Yeah, I but you can be a programmer on Call of Duty and nothing to do with the well, For sure, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm saying his proximity to the closeness of those groups and the character he chooses to portray. Um, a lot of people give shit to um, women streamers for being for using their sexuality. He and getting away with stuff. Under, this borderline. And exactly. He used his understanding of how young men aged 12 to 18 form their thoughts and how they form those thoughts, and he made a living off of it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that if I was in his shoes, I would have done it differently. He had the opportunity, and he seized it. He has, regardless of how you feel about his content, his stream does have incredible production value. It is basically a TV show. Yeah. And but he appeals to that demographic and he preys on those demographics views as a way to gain more monetary compensation for himself. And so somebody who's into a world where something like filming in a bathroom would be just like a haha joke to them, to the greater world, it's like, hey, this is a serious violation of privacy. Um somebody who has that mindset, I don't feel like is going to do what we would consider morally proper things. And right. as a result, that's why I tweeted what I did. Like I said, it was kind of the heat of the moment. And I, like, honestly, in hindsight, if I can go back in time, I would not tweet it, but I haven't deleted it. It was a moment of truth, it. man. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, you got to get heated to speak your mind. You right? got you to gotta get heated to speak your mind. That's why and I knew so I needed that, to talk to you about this. That's why, that's why I haven't deleted it, because in hindsight, I probably would have, but at the same time, I'm not going to deny that I said what I said, because my, 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 my feelings about Dr. like, I didn't really give a shit, like, yeah, I thought he, I've always thought he was a poster boy for the toxic man-child video gamer who 
degrades people, demeans people, and doesn't really actually honestly have a whole lot going for themselves because of how egotistically involved in themselves they are. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's fine. And that's fine. And I've type. had to, Yeah, the, we've all known the type. People who form their identity with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great example because back in the day, the only thing that, that you could be known for is being good at the game. Exactly. Or, or pissing people off. Being an asshole. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes, most of the time, they went hand in hand. So I had no opinion until he filmed it about, until he literally broke the law and he got suspended for it. And Can that's you? when I was like, I yeah. was like, okay, okay. Like, this is like someone who's willing to do that. Like, if he does something super duper fucked up, I will probably have something to say about it because, like, that is something that really just rubs me wrong. And, and maybe was he unapologetic about it? Uh, he wasn't unapologetic. I mean, he was, he was in the same way that tweet that you just showed um, was PR friendly. He was PR friendly. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between, between being like really uh, absorbing and, and showing that you're apologetic, like Genuine acting, empathy. acting apologetic right, right. versus saying apologetic things. Like um, there's a, there's a complete difference. And uh, if, if I knew his content better, I'd be able to give a better read on it. But yeah, you're what you say about him really having this, this kind of man child, competitive man child image. Um, you know how much of that is cultivated and how much of that is just, just him coming out. We all have a little bit well, of that inside of us. Like that's oh, for that's, sure, for sure. that's part of the competitive mindset. Like you want to win in Quake, but you're also moderating that that need to win in Quake with a desire to play a lot of games. The people you're playing against. Like if, if you just piss off Zorak, for example, and can never play him again because you're a dick, that's a big loss for you long term. Especially as a competitor, and that's the other thing that kind of ties into psychologically what I'm talking about is that. He portrays himself as a hardcore competitor, as somebody who wants to be the best at any game he touches. But I've seen that guy play quick, and I've seen him play other games that he's not very good at. He doesn't yeah. play them for very long. He maintains an image, and I know that he's an intelligent, successful enough human being to know that he's maintaining that image, which means he's psychologically and intelligently aware enough to know that what he did at E3 was wrong before he even did it. Like, he just wanted to do it to see if he could. Yeah. The ego there is what bothers me. The oh, lack yeah. of accountability there is what bothers so me. So this is a problem that Twitch seems to have, in that they, they, don't, they don't tell people a lot about why they're banning people, which I get legally why you would do that. Like, sometimes it's not... Like, putting information out there is, is not very legally sound a lot of the time, based on the contracts you have with people, but... From a community standpoint, and Twitch is a community platform. The strength Twitch has it is community. Oh, absolutely. You look at hundred and ten percent. Yes. You look at, at Mixer, which just closed its doors. It was te a technically superior product, I think, in almost every way. But the community wasn't there, which is what killed it. It wasn't good enough for everyone to migrate over, which is why it died. Yeah, I mean, we could have a separate conversation about that too. The basic headline for me, like of my thinking, is in order to beat Twitch at the game that it's playing. You can't be 10% better. You got to be like 500% better. Oh, for sure. For sure. You have to be so good that everyone's like, okay, this is where we've been, but this is better in every way. We yeah. have to move. We have to move. Or you have to be very different. You have to find a very different kind of niche. Um, but yeah. So all this is happening at the same time that Twitch also, there's also a bunch of action coming out, people speaking out about, um, sexual transgressions 
that people have had of varying degrees of severity. Um, I haven't looked into this too closely, but I know that there are some um, personalities out there like, like Angry Joe, a uh, very popular YouTube reviewer, and uh, I think he does some streaming too. Um, but he, it seems like his accusation was not very solid. But he's being lumped in with the same group of people. Um, I, th there was someone from Method, I believe. Um, there's another, a lot of people from Method. A huge Method's gaming organization that apparently, yeah, yep, yep. there's just some, some, some real bad shit going down there. Some real uncool shit. And uh, I'm seeing speculation that Method might no longer be a thing because of it um which is uh, you know again another thing we could talk about but uh, do you think that this dr disrespect thing is in the same is the timing here constant like a coincidence or is it is it evidence no no no, no. the timing is not a coincidence why would you ban him why would you ban him when one of the biggest dota 2 orgs is going down in flames because half of their upper membership are for lack of a better way to Dude, put it, being weird. It's a sign and of the times, man. Everyone's getting burned for being a Everyone's fucking perv. Burned. What the hell is and wrong with being us? Being a fucking perv. <laughs> uh, well, it's, 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 it ties back into the prehistoric days of the Great Pyramids of Giza oh to where we are now, which is that for most of its history, gaming has been a very, very, very male-dominated space. And as such, males feel very comfortable doing what males do when they have no accountability. And I say that because you're a guy and I'm a guy, and I know that you're not a perv and I'm not a perv, but when people who are inclined to have those proclivities have the kind of power to do what they could do or would do, that's all it takes. That's all it t People, like, the thing, and this is off-tangent, but I'm just going to say it because you said you wanted a philosophy stream, and I'm kind of buzzed now, so I'm just going to say it. Do it. Men, bad men, bad men who have the capability to be bad without any real accountability will do so. And gaming is 100% a realm in which has not been properly supervised in that sense um i can speak from my own experience as a male um growing up when i heard women talking on the mic or anything i can tell you how many times they were chastised they were discriminated against they were just outright harassed over voice comms yeah. um I love gaming, and I want gaming to be a serious thing, and if we want gaming to be a serious thing, it has to be more than just a space for the boys. And a lot of what is happening now is the culmination of 20, 25 years of online gaming a bad being only, only a place for the boys, mm -hmm. exactly. A place where boys can be boys. And oh man, that's a loaded... <laughs> That's all I know, I, and that's why I said it. And I don't I know if you can say that in 2020. And everything. <laughs> yeah, but like that's what gaming has been. Gaming has been a place where boys can be boys and not have any repercussions. And I'm really happy about all this shit coming out, not because I want to see my fellow gaming homies go down in flames, but because I want them to know that the way that they're doing things and the way that they think about things is wrong and that they're not going to have... A successful life thinking and doing things the way that they are and i think that it's a correction this, 
it is a correction. It is an evolutionary correction. For any better way to put it, that's what it is. Because I want gaming to take off. And the fact of the matter is, I've talked to a ton of people over my life. And everybody enjoys video games. But I can tell you from personal experience that girls who enjoy video game are far less likely to speak up about it. Because they know that 90% of the guys they run into are just going to demean them and sexualize them and not treat them as human beings. And it's like, there's just human beings who want to play a video game. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Like, just fucking calm the fuck down and realize that just because there's a girl in your male-dominated sphere of the world does not mean that you can just get the right to be like, hey, like, say abrasive and just completely horrible shit to them. And the same social protocols we have IRL needs to apply in-game. And that's part of the birthing into something actually substantial that the gaming world's going through right now. Yeah. It's really interesting to talk about this. At the same time, we have um, one of the, you know, honestly, like what handful of uh, uh, female members of the TFC community hanging out in the chat, the current hype train conductor, Prunzi, saying that she too gets fed up with in a game that has no relevancy in their broader gaming landscape with a tiny community of like under 200 players and well, she's she well, still she still gets this negative attention at times the thing is though greg the thing is though if we didn't fucking demean the women who play tfc we'd probably have double the size of the community do you know how many girls i've talked to that know what tfc is but are yeah. not on Discord, that are on pickup servers, and that are, are they know what it is. They played it. They like it. They fucking like the game, Greg, but they won't fucking play because they're, as soon as they speak their voice and everyone knows that, oh, I sound like this, all of a sudden they're fucking immediately chastised, yep. immediately degraded. It's like, why the fuck would you hang around? Would you hang around, Greg, if you were immediately chastised for playing the fucking game? No, I would fuck off. That's that's what do that I don't get harassed and that's for. what they do. They fuck off. They fuck off. And it's like, yo, dude, like, I don't mean to break a hard truth to y'all out there who might think otherwise, but women make up half the fucking population of the entire human Damn race. Straight. So, like, if you want to have a healthy, populated community, maybe you shouldn't sexualize and demean every fucking female you come into contact with. Hell yeah, dude. <sighs> Absolutely. And, you know, I'm... I've been a witness to a lot of this kind of behavior over the years and not knowing exactly what to do. Because, look, I'm like, like you said, I'm not a perv. Like, I, I just treat people but like people. But at the same time, you are part of the majority and the majority is doing this thing. And if you go against the grain, right. you yourself will become chastised among women. Right. Them. There's a whole multi layered dynamic to this. And, like, the idea that silence is like acquiescence, is like, is like a- agreement with like the, uh, uh, a traditional if you majority take the side attitude. of silence you take the side of the oppressor right which is why i'm glad we're not being silent about this um talking about like contributing to the problem do you think that twitch contributes to this this kind of reality of 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 gaming being for the boys and this kind of toxicity that you're that we're talking about Yes and no, but mostly no. Twitch is a company at the end of the day, and they're owned by Amazon now. So at the end of the day, their goal is profits. And I think that 
the people they have moderating, the people they have at the more higher upper echelons of the company reflect that they want to have a more inclusive society. But this is more along the lines of like, so like, like this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie this way back. I'm gonna tie this way back, Greg, to what we were talking about initially with sure. uh, matchmaking and diabolical and shit. Um, when it comes to being inclusive to women, it, it's, it's, or not women, but it, to everybody, to everybody, to being inclusive to everybody, it's up to us, the veterans, to be the older, the older, the older members of the community, the ones who have seen all the terrible shit that has gone down in the past, in the prehistory, and being responsible, capable adults, and including people, and saying, hey, we did things the way we did them before based on ignorance, and we're doing things differently now to be better. And so, while, yeah, you can you can put some blame on Twitch, you can, you can be like, yeah, this company fucking sucks, fuck this, fuck that, fuck everything. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the it's day, words. Twitch, Twitch is, like you said, a community building platform. And as a community, it's our part as leaders of our community, respectively, yeah. to, to, to try to abolish these kinds of mindsets and thoughts, which is why I am so, like, outspoken and, like, virulent in my vocabulary and everything else regarding situations like this. Because, like, I am not a quick pro, but I am a very good quick player. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very articulate person, and people like to tune into me for that fucking reason. And so it, I feel like I would be doing a disservice to my community and the people who enjoy my video games and the kind of video games I want to see succeed if I wasn't honest about that. And it's more about community policing in a respectful way than it is about some corporate overarching hierarchy deciding like, okay, this is acceptable, this is not. We as a community should decide what is acceptable and mm -hmm. what is not. And I think that if we're silent and we don't do anything and we just try to ignore the problem or we try to, like, shove the problem to the side or not think about it or not talk about it, let other people who can handle the problem handle it kind of, kind of mentality, um, I think that that is detrimental to the success of what we're trying to do as esport enthusiasts, et cetera, et cetera. And what is that? So, what are we trying to do? Like what? We are, what's the bottom line? Trying, that this we are trying to, like you said earlier, games are one of the most interactive, most beautiful mediums of art that we have in modern society, and nobody else knows it except for us, Greg. Yep. So, if we don't do our part to make it more and more acceptable, what are we doing other than shooting ourselves in the foot? What are we doing other than making it harder for what we love to become more and You're more? passing the buck. Known? We're passing the fucking buck, and I do not want to pass the buck. It ends and dies with me. Somebody comes into my stream, I don't care if you're a girl, I don't care if you're a guy who wants to be a girl, I don't care how you feel about the world. You're welcome in my stream. And I think that a big thing that makes games such a controversial quote-unquote art form is the fact that they express a lot of very, very forward ideas that people aren't comfortable with. And you can and interact with them. You can get your hands on them. 
You aren't exactly. just watching someone else. Exactly. Good shit. You're not. You're not. You're not watching a movie. You're not watching Brokeback Mountain, where people are expressing being gay in a very subversive mm-hmm. and not comfortable world. You're participating in a world where they don't feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, all of this psychological and evolutionary growth that we're experiencing is reflected in gaming. And it's the one place where I can have an actual voice and actually have a method of change. And the result of that is that if you don't do good with it, if you doctor disrespect it and use it only to further your brand, that you contribute to really bad sociological um, mindsets and patterns. And it's kind of like a seemingly innocent representation. Of a, of a mindset that is actually is, is actually toxic is kind of yes. like a do- dog whistle approval of toxic behavior exactly to a t to a fucking t greg yes yes uh. by saying that your parody is funny and is acceptable you give people who live Tacit that actual approval. life yeah you give them approval to be who they are and that is not cool that is not cool at all and that and man, we've tied it all together, Greg. We're <laughs> beautiful. We've it just tied took it all a few together. drinks. That is that is my beef with with uh, with Doctor Disrespect is that he gives tacit approval to people to be absolute shitheads for no other reason other than they want to be, and that's what they were taught, and they don't want to grow outside of that realm, and that is why I disapprove. Yes. If people want to hear things that that affirm their view of life i think um we see it in politics we see it we see it every fucking where honestly um and i guess like there's this whole like we i saw a great comment in the chat about um a a, a, a phrase that i've heard bandied about in a heated fashion about the idea that most games the legacy of gaming in many ways is based on this idea of what's called a violent male fantasy are you familiar with this idea? I am familiar with this idea, and I do not completely disagree with that, but I do have some qualms with that. Right, there's there's truth in it. Like, yeah, Doom absolutely, and absolutely. Quake and absolutely, TFC yeah. is about people shooting people with, like, like, on the surface. You're shooting someone with a gun, blood comes out, you win when they die, literally. And I, I guess, like, if we're making this relevant to the current discussion, the question becomes like, so I asked you if you thought Twitch played a role in this, this um, phenomenon. Um, and if it does, it's giving, giving, it seems like it's giving a platform to people like, um, like Dr. Disrespect who might be um, serving as an witting or let's honest, let's be honest, could possibly unwitting poster boy for regressive social attitudes progressive and exclusionary yes 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 so do games do this too like are there games out there that are bad for gamers um my my general like feeling as a gamer is that this is i this doesn't feel the idea doesn't feel right to me but maybe i'm just i'm just i've been shooting people for so long in video games that i'm past the point where it feels like i'm inflicting violence no, I what do you agree. Think? I agree. What do you think? I agree. No, I 100% agree with you. For you and I, it doesn't. 
When I play Quake and I'm shooting a rocket or I'm shooting a rail, I'm not thinking, oh, fuck yeah, I want to fuck this guy up. I want to hurt this person. I want to hurt this person. No, I'm thinking I want to kill you so I can get this item or I can get this sense of map control. It's like pulling a strike. Exactly. It's, it's, It's a fundamental mechanic of the game. And the fact of the matter is, is you take away all the social bullshit involved in FPS and you just look at it for what it is, it is fun. It is fun to test your reactions and get good at mm-hmm. aiming in that sense. It's it's a very rewarding experience. And it, it doesn't matter what you're shooting at. That's why the trash bots and diabolical, dumb idea. It doesn't matter what you're shooting at. It's going to feel good. So I agree with you that it, it it's, it's for you and I, for people who have been doing it for so long, are removed from that sense of of violence it's it's not violent to us it's just that's what the game requires us to do and thus that is what we do um for younger players i don't know if that disassociation is as present as it is with you and i and Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. unfortunate but when you're younger you just you honestly don't know any better like when there was a brief period when i was getting my wife into games I, i built her a gaming pc which she used for like a hot minute which is, it's now my streaming PC. So thanks wife. Um, <laughs> but there was a hot minute where we were going to try to play some Overwatch together. Um, you know, a shooter, but with very polished presentation, right? And with a lot of different ways to play the game. And right, she, right, right. she of course gravitated to Mercy, a character who's almost entirely based on nonviolent interactions. Um, you, what you're doing is every action you take, I mean, Mercy does, Mercy does have a pistol. I think at the time the pistol was in a state where you never wanted to use it because it was useless. Um, but she gravitated to that non-violent way to approach the game. I think that there are some differences between what men and women want out of those kinds of interactions at a gross statistical level, at a very broad level. Like We have to acknowledge that every individual can only be summarized by their individual actions and preferences. But if you look at things statistically across the board, there are some trends we can acknowledge. But the question that, that I have coming up into my mind is we we equated Dr. Disrespect representing a man-child character as a tacit approval of man-child-like attitudes. Devil's Advocate, are we, by playing games that, that look like we're inflicting violence on people, giving tacit approval to violent behavior. I think this is the argument of the lay person who doesn't have exposure to gaming. I would I would I would say that the lay person could probably make that argument and feel pretty comfortable with it, but for those of us who have been ingrained into the system or at the very least have been a part of it for as long as we have, I don't think that argument would hold weight because I play what people would consider very, very violent first-person shooter games. I'm good at them, some people would say. And so... I would say so. Like, You're better than me. Like, <laughs> but I don't... My my thinking is not violent when I'm playing them. When I'm, when I'm shooting... When I'm, when I'm literally attacking these people, I'm not, like, wishing harm upon their actual physical right. being. I'm it's not, not sadistic. I'm not, no, it's not. It is strictly because if I want to win this game, this is what I have to do. And it's not. And in that sense, I don't think so. But I could see that argument being made um, 
for people who are not as ingrained in the FPS world. Mm-hmm. And I say FPS specifically because I don't think that like MOBAs or RPGs or literally any other game except maybe fighting games come under this kind of fire. First person shooters have always come under yeah. some very serious fire. Yep. For being extremely violent, because they are. They are. First-person shooters are extremely violent games. But I've never met someone who, if they had no other underlying conditions of psychological well-being, was ever like, yeah, I play Call of Duty, so I really want to, like, go shoot up a school, or right. I want to go shoot up a... You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Most people, most people have enough suspension of disbelief to where that doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're not mentally ill... People who play shooting games don't want to shoot people in the real no, world. Like, no, they there's don't. no connection. They don't. They don't. There, there is no connection. Because it's, in, in it's... games, it's it's gamified. Like, you aren't shooting people to hurt them. I mean, may, there are probably are people who do that. Let's be honest. There are some people who are sadistic and maybe mentally ill and do, like, play for that reason. But if that's the reason you play, I can't imagine you do it for very long because it's got to get old. Yeah, it's seeing it's the same be death animations, the same gotta be the same outcomes, and you don't play enough to get good. It's people who are actually good at the game and put a lot of time into the game are not the people who are doing the violence to get that violent rush. Um, exactly. exactly. I guess the complicated part of it, though, is the representation and the um, uh, the signaling, right? And this is this is such a fucking twenty first century problem of not only how did I approach this problem from my own world, but how is this action going to be seen in everyone else's world? And to some extent, it's an unsolvable problem because you can't put yourself in everyone else's shoes, period. But we live in a time where there's no, there's been no stronger incentive than there is now to do that as much as possible. I had someone, when I was just starting to stream TFC matches about a couple months ago, um, I opened my the doors on my stream to everyone who wanted to come in. And for the most part, I still do this. If you want to interview and you played in a match, jump in. Like, I'm not only picking certain people. Anyone who wants to can come talk to me on the stream. But I had a situation where one person jumped in and was obviously drunk, just chilling, doing his own thing on a Friday night, but he dropped an N-bomb on me. Ooh, and it's yeah. like, ugh, you know what, man? I know you didn't mean it in the way that would be destructive to another person, but I can't accept the risk of having someone who is going to cause me harm and my platform harm and create confusion in my community about what ex- behavior is acceptable. So I had to show my whole community, that's not cool with me. You're out of here. And I haven't really had any problems since then, but let's be honest, it's a small community, people who are mostly our age. Um, so maybe the risk isn't as high as it would be somewhere else in another game or another another platform. But it's uh, the amount of attention that we have to pay to these problems. I feel like seeing these kinds of moments, these like these Me Too and these speaking out things that are happening, are just the tip of the iceberg for what people are going to have to do going forward about not just treating their fellow humans, but showing how they treat their fellow humans. And it's something that is begin- becoming increasingly hard to fake. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what to say. Um, I'm honestly a little aghast. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of people hanging out in the chat right now talking, and just I'm I'm kind of stunned by um, when you started talking about how women in gaming are, tr- are are mistreated. In my head, I kind of 
I kind of put that in the as like a 20, 20 years ago problem. I kind of like, oh, that, that's not real anymore. It doesn't really happen. Women are playing games all the time. You know, I'm hanging out with women playing games right now. But, uh, but talking about it, I'm, I'm coming to the realization that it's absolutely not in the rearview mirror. It actually is a no, problem it's, of it's, today. It's a, it's a hundred percent a forward thinking problem. And even like what you said, commenting on the uh, the individual who came into your chat and dropped the end bomb. Um, I think back to TFC and when you were at its height, that was not a socially unacceptable thing. Maybe you had to say it in certain parts of the community, but would you have been ostracized for it? Would you have been banned for it? Would you have been not allowed to play for having as gross of a vocabulary as you were having? No, you wouldn't have. TFC. The things we said to each other all those years ago is fucking filthy. I can't exactly, repeat half of exactly. it. Exactly. You can't repeat half. We definitely can't talk about 90% of it on stream here on this podcast. We can't say that shit. Um, um, a cleansing of the mind and where we're kind of coming to as a community of gamers outside of TFC, but like generally speaking, is something that's needed to happen for a really long time. I kind of touched on that earlier, but I'm really, I'm really hoping that this will lead into a more um, inclusive and productive environment for gaming as a result, because there are a lot of people who really love video games who don't have an avenue to speak or comment on that love and as a result there's a lot of people from gaming whose voices we're missing who are talented and capable mm -hmm. and we would appreciate we would honestly appreciate them being there but we don't know that because we're such a we're such a exclusive destructive egotistical environment that we don't even know we don't even know that those people exist that's mm -hmm. how exclusive mm -hmm. we are and i'm hoping that the future will be much brighter for us and honestly I, I i do think the future will be a lot brighter for us yeah so one of the ways i'm thinking about this is like chicken and the egg um is it possible that like do you think that part of the reason why it's there are gaming spaces where it's okay to be misogynistic or racist um these kinds of attitudes is because they're overrepresented by by majority demographics like would this problem of people being people being inappropriate and dickish to women in games exist if there are more women around to hold us all accountable or is this is this just is there, or is this something else how do you well, see the, it the, the, the saddest thing to me about it all is women have always been there. Um, I don't, I True. think this is a product. I think this is a product of games being developed kind of primarily for men. Um, I think you can look at the development by men. of by men for men, and you can look at female characters in games up until recently as kind of a product of that. Um, yeah, that's for damn sure for damn sure. And so I think as we move into the future, that will change and developers will become more and more, um, I want to say open and inclusive, but those are like, I feel like those are dog whistles like everything else. Yeah, um, so much of that language has been corrupted by- It has, it really by has. By people really... trying to save face. Exactly. And so 
I think the gaming world will become a more developed place as a result and what we're going through now. Um, 2020 honestly feels like a year of metamorphosis. I feel like a yeah. lot of the old ways are being shed or at the very least are being um, portrayed Agitated. in a way. They're being yes. shown in the light like a fucking yeah, slug from under are. a rock. For like, and, and it's not to say that like the ways of the past that are completely bad, you know what I'm saying? The, the all-male team that built Doom and Quake, the foundations for all 3D FPS gaming as we know it, which is the most relatable for you and I, um, all of that is a product of its time. And I think that times are changing and we're coming into this new fold. And it's, it's going to be messy. It's always mm -hmm. been messy. Mm -hmm. Change is always messy. And as a result, we're seeing that change play out, and it's messy and it's ugly, and we want to talk about it. We probably should have a couple drinks about it before we talk about it, so we can feel, <laughs> or not, or not exactly. So it's a tough balance. It's, it's 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 slowly becoming something new, but it's slowly becoming yeah. something new, and as a result, it's just. We're all kind of along for the ride at this point, you know, so... But to your point, we're also conductors. We are. You we are, are a we... community leader. I am a community leader. We are in a position to to set a different course, or at least to to move the needle a little bit in one direction. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think, you know, the N-bomb example is the, one, is the one example I can think of where I've felt like I needed to step in to do something. That's reactionary. And... I think that those examples of reactionary things are very easy to see. Um, oh, but for sure, for sure. What kinds of bad? What, what kinds of proactive things can we be doing, though? I know, like, one of the things that I've done on my Discord, which I don't see a lot of other people doing, but seemed like a good idea to me, was I put this annoying ass thing in my Discord, and you saw this, right? I know you had to deal with this too, where I put in a, like a like a kind of terms of service kind of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yep, yep. So I, because I, I couldn't talk in diabolical. Yep, yeah. Yep. What, what, what I did was, I, was I, I turned off speaking access unless you click a certain reaction to a certain post. And what that, what that react, what that post says is if you, if you react to this post, you are agreeing to our guidelines. And there are four things that I laid out. So those are, um, let me see here if I can remember. Okay. Um, high effort trolling is a timeless calling, but try not to be a dick. Like, there is some art in, in trolling, let's be honest. There is, absolutely. But like you <laughs> said, high-effort trolling. If you're going to go for the low-hanging fruit, well, you just fuck yeah, off and get go fucked. back to Reddit. Get original. Um, number two, absolutely no racist or identity-based slurs. Like, that's just, you can't do it. You can't not do it. Even stuff that's like a soft slur, you get fucked. Number three, uh, no not safe work images or links. That's just to keep people safe who are looking at shit out in the public. And of course, spoiler tags where appropriate. No, uh, you know, Snape kills Dumbledore. Dumbledore. But I feel like that—that's just like kind of bare minimum chicken shit, like covering your ass stuff. Which is, I'll be honest, I've been working a corporate job for the last like ten years. I've learned how to cover my ass. But how do we take the next step beyond uh, ass covering and beyond reacting to egregious problems? You play with the people who are marginalized by the community that you're a part of. Uh, you play with girls. You play with whoever the case may be. I, you know, I want to say African Americans or whatever, but like honestly, whoever, you just take the steps to make them feel included as a community leader because you don't want to see them go, just because they feel like everybody else hates them. Um, I don't hate 
women Quake players. I don't hate women players of any kind. I don't hate anybody. Um, but not... Yeah, sure, I don't have a problem with them. But if I don't play with them, if I don't make an actual part of making them part of my gaming routine, then I'm just a guy who's saying who's covering his ass. Yeah. Um, the the t- t- In order to be a forward-thinking and progressive ideology in your community is to actually live it and actually live up to it and not be the things that you are against. Not only not be the things you're not against, but actively go against what you're going into, which ties 100% back into the Dr. Disrespect yes. that you brought up earlier. Yes. So, yeah, and there's a really great comment by Repairman saying, hold people accountable, right? Yes, and yes, hold people there, accountable. 100%. There's a ton of borderline stuff that we like to let go, because that's how you treat your friends. When you have a friend, you let shit that's on the line go a little bit. You give them a little bit of latitude. But we have to be careful about that. We have to be careful about that. And even if we cut people slack, there's still still a need to show what the proper value that this community is holding. Um, Like, I... This is probably not not an awesome example, but uh, there's been some controversy in the TFC community lately between two kind of factions and I, I really wanted to get into, into you with this separately so i'm, I'm oh gonna, my god i'm no, gonna, no, no. I'm gonna we touch can, it we can very I, lightly I, no i want to finish this conversation and then move on to it because they're both good okay, okay. they both need their time in the sun and okay, i i, I okay. don't feel like i'm done yet you you tell me if you're getting too sober uh no 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 i'm <laughs> i'm definitely not getting too sober but cool cool um uh, but it's a situation where um there's this community of people who've been playing the game for a long time, like the last five, six, seven years, have thousands of hours in the game recently, play pickups every night, play hard, try to win, and maybe try to win a little more than they need to, let's be honest. But they're playing the game. They're playing TFC. Um, and then there's this faction of kind of people who are returning to the game. And they remember what it was like to be on top, but they're not anymore. And some people have reacted to that the way that I have, which is to say, all right, I'm just in a different spot in the pecking order. And that's fine. Like, it's just the way the game is. I'm going to try to bring my value to the community anyway. Right, right, right. Others, though, have taken an approach, and I'm not a big fan of this, of saying, if I can't win, I'm going to troll. And ah, there's a fine line here. Okay. There's okay. a fine yep, line yep, here. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Because some trolling is called for and is fun. is what you do to people you respect. Like, this is this is a big part of the way that I have traditionally found that men interact, that that oftentimes I don't see a lot from women in peer groups. Men test each other. For sure. For sure. We give for each other sure, shit. I would agree with that. But yeah, there's a good sure. the reason we give each other shit is to make sure that people are living up to their own ability. It's a measure of respect. I think you can take this shit, so I'm gonna give it to you. Right, right, absolutely. And when it's done in that spirit, it only elevates people. Of course, if people can't take the shit, that shows it that they're not on the same level. Well, they'll leave. They'll leave. Or they get a shitty nickname or something. Memes made about right, them. Right, 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 right. Right. So, you know, it's not a simple problem. But I think that there are, are, are people who take that kind of trolling behavior to a point where it's not respectful anymore. And I would agree. I actually had a moment where... I had to step in and tell my guys who were trolling someone and when talking shit behind someone's back and say, and uh, I had to come in and say, hey, 
give this guy a rest. There's Show the this, fuck out. There's this great statement from the Big Lebowski, right? You're not wrong, but you're an asshole. <laughs> right? To a T, yes, to a T. <laughs> you're not wrong, but you're an asshole. So give it a fucking break. Like, there's, there's more Agreed. to life than Agreed. being right. Even if you're right in pointing out that someone is being is doing something that is not socially accepted, um, if they're not hurting anyone, right? And I'm, I'm talking around corners a lot here, but what it all comes back to is treating each other like people. And that's a very complicated problem, as we're, I, th I think, demonstrating, of course. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because we have, to, we have a responsibility. In a way, because of social media, we're all leaders to some extent. We all have a platform in a way we never have before. So maybe you, with your Quake community and your Prevail Gaming, have a bigger platform than some random schmo playing Call of Duty. And I, with my podcast, too, have some more than the average person. And, of course, much less than the Dr. Disrespects out there um, because of their enormous audience. Everyone has a responsibility to hold each other accountable. And, man, it's a hard problem to solve, but you have to try, oh, is my sure. feeling. Oh, for sure. You absolutely have to try. So let's, let's talk TFC now. I think it's time. Okay, okay. Before we talk TFC, can we take a break? Oh, sure. Yeah, like we can a, take like five. a two-minute break. Two-minute break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two I, minutes. That's all I need is two minutes. All right, yep. folks. We'll be, be back, back in two minutes. Keep it fresh. Okay, we're back. Basement side. Talking Ooh. about the troubles of the world and gaming and social media and every fucking thing. So when we left off... Yes, the two minutes is a lie. Sorry, Dosepak. Uh, <laughs> I am famously tardy to all things. So whatever you see in the stream, the stream counter, you can reliably add 50% to. Sorry. That's just me. Speaking about things that are just me, though, um, let's talk about this TFC dynamic. We talked about this kind of briefly on your stream last week. Yes, yes, <laughs> and, we did. And uh, it was actually really great because I kind of felt like I was hearing another one of those little moments of truth from you. And I was like, oh, shit, there's something here. Um, there are two TFCs. This is the headline. There are two TFCs. There are two TFCs. 100%. I mean, let's be honest. Th there are more than two, but there are there are two like broad Domin categories of there TFCs. Are, yeah, there are two dominant TFCs. And you started. You were like Darth Greg. You don't understand, man. Like my TFC is like this, and your world is like this. And we started talking. I was like, oh shit, we got to get into this. So, <laughs> the two TFCs. Let's each. Okay, how, what would be more fun? Okay, I'm going to let you you give your piece. What What is your TFC that, that you think that you kind of are, are able to speak for? My TFC is um, 4v4, very specifically 4v4. My TFC is O versus defense, um, offense versus defense. Uh, my TFC is more individ individualistic and less team play oriented. My TFC is... Um, is more based on mechanical skill than um, capabilities of performing with or without whatever team you're a part of. Fair enough. And my TFC is about clans. It's about having that one guy in your clan who plays guitar and makes songs every once in a while and shows up and can play engineer passably on some maps, but not every map. <laughs> it's about people who have or one-dimensional but bring character and bring community. It's about full, you know, mechanically, it's about full CTF. So OVD is essentially half of a full CTF. 
that's that's my TFC. It's a TFC I played 18 years ago or 19 years ago, however long ago it was ago. And it's what we we're we're seeing a flicker of with the beer league with the 6v6 format, which is now going to 9v9 season two. What the fuck? And what the fuck? So th those are like the the surface level differences between my TFC and your TFC. And I think at the surface level, eh, like it just seems like like six of one and half half dozen of the other. You're still capturing flags, right? You're still capturing flags. You're still you're still defending the flag. You're still merving the flag. You're still emping your opponents. You're still building guns. You're still holding position as soldier. The mechanics, the gameplay yes. fundamentals are mostly the same. The yeah, difference mostly there. between them is what makes your TFC yours and my TFC mine. Which is what? The TFC I was uh, raised in, so to speak, um, valued players who are capable of doing multiple things. Um, mm -hmm. As a result, the biggest thing about 4v4 compared to 9v9 is you have to play offense and defense. Yes. And there's a couple of things that happen as a result of having to play both offense and defense. One is most of your players are going to be more mechanically sound. You're bunny hopping like crazy on offense and then you're playing defense. So like you have you have a lot of more you have a lot more stress in that 30 minutes that you would relative to uh one round of a 99 match cuz you're playing multiple roles. Cuz you're trying to do them well. Roles. Yes, exactly. So you have you have a wider skill sets are required in order to be a successful 4v4 player. And the other thing that comes around is specific only to TFC is the fact that when you play only 4v4, your conking becomes very, 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 very good. <laughs> and that is, that is, I'm dead ass, Greg. I'm dead no, ass. No, no, you're, you're right, because mine's fucking terrible. And <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. When you have to play offense for 15 minutes every single time you want to play TFC, you will learn how to conking. Because as medic, you spend all of your time conked. Um, so that, and that, and that fact alone is like the, the acorn from which the mechanical requirements for 44 TFC shoot up because as you develop really, really good conk game, you develop the ability to do damage on every single run on offense. And this pours into the fact that you don't have anything blocking you on offense like you do in 99 or 8 mm -hmm. There's no OVO, there's no front door spam. There's no, you have much more room to work with on offense. And as a result, the mechanical abilities you have increase. This is immediately and most noticeable with Kong game. And as players become better at Kong game, they become better at aim in general. And so the game A speeds up, B becomes more timing oriented and less team play we're going to make a play together as it does each individual player just being good enough to carry their own so that every single run they do they do enough work that the other players can capitalize and thus succeed in capturing the flag the game is the same the way it's played becomes different at first only like superficially and as time goes on it becomes an entirely different game um, I'm going to tie this in here really quick because I have the I have the floor so I'm just going to throw this out here. I joined the team of players who were good enough to win but did not want to win to mm -hmm. protest, essentially, the old-school archaic format <laughs> being utilized 
versus what I'm talking about. Because if you wanted to be a truly genuine competitive TFC player in 2020, you'd get good at 4v4 because as soon as you get in enmeshed into it, it's a lot like Quake. At first it sucks because you're bad and then you realize all these different ways that you can improve and you improve and all of a sudden you're doing shit that you never ever did in 99 in your titanium level fucking clan. You're doing shit that nobody's seen before because that's what the game requires of you. It genuinely pushes you forward in a way that 99 can't because 99 is RNG'd like we talked about in the very beginning with Diabetical. Diabetical. Um, <laughs> is RNG slowed down to an extent that you can be bad and get away with it? Mm -hmm. You cannot be bad in 4v4 and get away with it with a competent team. Your team will rage at you, which is why in-house is what it is and why it originated in the very first place. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Damn. Okay. Well, I feel I feel obliged to, to defend my TFC, or the TFC that I've been stood up as the figurehead for at this point. So, Okay. I don't disagree with anything you said about what makes new TFC good and different. Uh, it is a more skilled game. However, m in my TFC, skill was not the most important thing. Never was. Look at the cultural legacy of Team Fortress Classic. Were the best teams really that important? So I played in a clan. I played in a clan in called Misrecord Hostility. In a way, but no. I, I, see, I see personality with... Look at Inferno. Look at Inferno. What were they? Silver at best? Maybe gold? But they have a legacy. You and I, who they are in 2020. Yes. So, TFC, in the old school way, was more, had more RNG, had more unpredictability. I see new school TFC as a reduction of old school TFC. It's boiled down the elements of Capture the Flag to essentially a raw mechanics contest. And don't get me wrong. There is virtue in it. There is virtue in it. I completely respect it. I'm not as good as anyone who plays it in-house, and I don't think I ever will be. But here's my thing. I don't want to be. I don't play TFC, and maybe not everyone who plays old TFC or espouses old TFC feels the way that I do. But for me, where I find the value in old TFC is in clan identity and rivalry, the sports aspect of it, the sports team. I want to root against Cannibal, okay? And that is way more interesting than rooting against Doug. Doug's just a guy. And I'm putting up Doug because he's one of the most public, obvious examples of, of, of someone in, in the in-house community who really puts himself at, at, uh, at the forefront of that attitude. But of, do you know why that is? Do you know why Doug is the way he is when it comes to in-house and the forefront of the competitive... God, no, but I sure like to. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. Doug didn't exist before 2015. And out of nowhere, Doug <laughs> from the serial killers. He was born a 30-year-old chubby man with a beard. Yes, with a beard. And out of nowhere, Doug TCK on IRC says, I used to be good back in the day. Let me play an in-house. So he plays an in-house. You know what? You know what? You want to know the truth? Doug was fucking trash. Doug was garbage. Nobody wanted Doug on his team. Doug was last pick for probably a year fucking straight. But Doug got better. Doug understood that the game wasn't the same game that he was playing back then. And he improved as a result. So Doug's ego is not entirely unfounded. That being said, he does have quite the ego. So <coughs> it's, right. it's, sometimes it's a little it's bit... It's fun to, to poke with. at that ego. Everyone it likes is, it poking is. at the ego. But he 
I've been the 4v4 TFC guy since I started, and that was 2007. And I am dead serious when I say I did not see Doug play a single 4v4 until 2015. He was gone. He disappeared. He after four after 99 died. He wasn't there. I don't know it. He lived his life, but he appeared out of nowhere in 2015, which relatively was not that long ago, and. So, like I said, I get why a lot of people are like, fuck Doug and fuck Ezeko and fuck, like, how arrogant he is. But, like, when it comes to y'all boomers, y'all old schoolers, other than maybe Mighty Mouse in chat talking all that shit, if he came back and actually put the time in, he'd be the best boomer that still plays the game. But Doug came back with no experience and grinded himself up to be a competent 4v4 player. And for that, I do have respect. So... Do you have respect for um, I, some of the um, older? So, okay, okay. You respect skill. You're a competitor. For sure, for sure. Makes I sense. just wanted to comment real quick before you said your piece that I do agree with you that 9v9 is definitely a more cultured environment and definitely a more like um, storyline building environment. It's more casual. I will say, yes. It's more casual. 4v4, 4v4, you honestly put it the best way. And I will use your words because i 100 it's like ranked versus 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 quick except not in as much as the organizational complexity because organizing a 9v9 is harder there's it more is, that goes it into is. it but, but the wrong being a being a player in, in a 9v9 clan is is easier it is it is but the raw mechanical race of 4v4 is 100 percent why <laughs> great and example of this i i heard i heard uh someone complaining in a 4v4 recently i was just spectating i think about how uh, CB um, is, is a crack brain. Is that what CB stands for? I think it's. I think it's. I think it's crack brain. Um, whenever crazy he has ball. to play offense, well, no, the CB, I know whenever ball. he Go has ahead. to play offense in a pickup, he always finds substitute. Never plays offense. And that he he's one of those old school guys, right? Who only played nine v nine. And he just wants to play. Defense. I think engineer was his thing back in the day. But look, I'm. It's apples and oranges as far as I'm concerned. Like, I completely understand why you would feel the need to signal the superiority of the OVD format. However, to me, to me, TFC started as a fun game to play and then a fun game to be good at and show my skill at. But over time, TFC became a community. <laughs> it became a place to connect with people and compete and have fun. And Part of that, what makes that rich, is having a tapestry of rivalries and clan identities. Look at Clan 404. 404 had an identity. They were a loose collection of old dudes, of old timers. Not all old timers, let's be honest, but they had they had kind of an old school approach to the game. But they still they 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 still hit hard. Look at Cannibal. I, I mentioned that before. Cannibal was notorious because they had a fucking uh, dictator of a ruler who made them do heinous, hateful shit that people hated to play against. Look at, um, you know, CSI, Crowbar Swinging Idiots. That name speaks for itself. Those are the revered clan tags that people think back on. My own clan, Misdirected Hostility, had an identity that, identity that I cared a lot about. One of the things that I never did when I, when I, when I was in that clan is I never let people be in my clan who were complete dicks, and I never let us sandbag. Ever. We always play in the top divisions, and because of that, we we ha like had 125 wins and 125 losses. We were never as good as Zero Tolerance or Vindicate or any of those teams. 
but those those super clans like zero tolerance or even like like AO apocalyptic order they're a super clan of another subculture from that age never had never had an identity that persisted beyond their match and this is what i think the failing of new school pickup oriented ovd tfc is is that the identity of the players has shrunk to the identity of each individual player rather than having these strong collections of people who can share an identity and contribute to it individually one of my favorite people to watch right now in in the beer league is big ed you know big ed right of course i know he big has ed. that got the deepest voice in beautiful the drawing voice oh man <laughs> i want that man to read me a bedtime story honest to god but what i love about big ed is that he isn't he was not a part of the old school tfc movement but he's also not part of your tfc either he's like oh he, he he's like the child of both he's like the new way and i don't know if there are enough big eds out there to actually make that flourish but he every single week is trying to make a, a clan out a clan work he's bringing people in and he's trying different stuff people cycle in people cycle out and he is just playing the game but he's doing it from, from a clan perspective. I don't see him in pickups. And maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. No, he's no, he's not in pickups. And if he's he a is, new school he's guy. Pickups, I don't know about. Yeah, he's a new school guy. And he's not the, the best player in the world. Like, he's not. But then again, neither am I. I mean. He's got passion, though. He, he's loves, a, he, he clearly has passion for what we're doing here. About sharing an experience together. Rather than mastering the experience as an individual. And to me mastering the experience of tfc as a group is the actual highest calling of the game of, of a team game and being the most mechanically skilled player who can fucking conk like a demon who can air shot like it's no one's business in the same in the same game of tfc is impressive but if you can't do it with people who you who you identify with and contribute towards the same goal with it's kind of like coming home after getting promoted and having, having no one to tell. And that's so, my case for old, for the old school clan style of TFC. And I'm going to leave all the mechanics off the table. There are actually mechanical arguments for the superiority of old school TFC. And saying things like, like OVO interactions, although they're impure to the current mindset of new school TFC, of your TFC, OVO interactions add something. The potential of turtling adds something. I was I was annoyed when they banned teleporters, but I, I kind of get it. Because a lot of maps were designed before teleporters existed. The two fort basement respawn, etc. But I've talked for a while. So I'm going to put the mic down and let you pick it up. No, that's fair. I talked for all. You talked for all. We both made our cases. And honestly, like now, like Greg, I feel like, I feel like honestly, both of us are kind of left behind by TFC at this point. Ah, I don't shit. feel as strong of a connection ah, as shit. That's I That's the real to. truth. That's the real truth. I feel like we both have experienced our TFC and now we're both kind of like I think it's time for something new. Because so honestly, let's... that's how that sounds. That's how it sounds. Yeah. But I mean, okay, this is uh, something we can pivot to, too. It's maybe a little, it's a little bit of a touch and go subject. But um, <clears throat> so I think that the, re the relevance of, of your TFC, as we described it, is undeniable. Like that's where all the best players are coming from. You guys are setting the bar for what good TFC is. And people are learning from you. There are people coming back who, who are still doing that kind of stuff. I see like um, Fish uh, come out and playing in pickups all the time, and he's a he's he's monstrous. He's good at the game. Oh yeah, Fish uh, is a great player. Um, and a lot of other people as well. But uh, 
honestly, I'm really struggling with this idea. I don't want to piss anyone off, but well, too the, late beer league, now, bud. <laughs> the beer league <laughs> brought back clan TFC. We today have TFC clans and I'm in one. It might not last. I'll be honest. People have lost the, the, the nostalgia wave has passed for sure. But right now there are 10 clans registered for the beer league. And they've all been told that season two, they have to have 50% more players. It feels unfeasible. So I think that there are two ways to approach the problem of what's next for the beer league. One is to say, fuck it. It was fun. Might as well try to have a couple of 9v9s if we can. Like yeah. this kind of mentality of, of, of being an archivist, of looking back and letting, the, letting it rest, letting it die. I, I, that, that's not my attitude. I have a different kind of attitude, and I'm curious what yours is. I'm but, curious what yours is, so please. Well, I, for me, I can just tell you that I like Clan TFC a lot. I could see myself being in or even running a clan, you know, for, for a while, indefinitely. I could, I could devote a few hours a week to playing TFC with a clan. That sounds like a good fucking time to me, as long as it's with my friends. But there's only 150 people registered for the league right now. 140. Cut that in half. That's how you need, people have. You need 20 people in a clan, minimum, for I think, 9v9. To, to play 9v9. Yeah. If everyone stays, which we know is not going to happen, because lockdown is ending, summer is here, new games are coming out, Diabotical is coming out. I know a lot of people who are going to play that game hard. The nostalgia wave has sailed. The nostalgia yeah, wave can, has passed. I can think of at least one person who's going to play the shit out of Diabotical. There are so many... Think there's so many things that are bringing people away from the game, and there are probably some people who wouldn't play six v six that might play nine v nine. So we have to admit that there might be some move in the other direction. But I see the move to nine v nine as being reckless and selfish, and not actually paying attention to the community that you're part of and running a league for. It's it's a failure to look down the road because what we have here. All these Discord communities, all these clans, if we don't have a league to revolve around, it's all diminished. It's going to fall apart. What's Half Big Ed going to do? Don't want to play pickups. What's Big Ed and his son and all the people that he's brought together to play in his clan going to do once the beer league quits? Because 9v9 can't be real with 50 players or with 40 players. You know, my there are two clans that formed out of my community, my Discord community. 2K1 and NH. 2K1, mainly the players who lean in, and NH, the players who lean back. Um, maybe we can come together and form one clan, but I don't think there are enough active people between us to do it. So the more likely scenario is that rather than having two teams turn into one, we're going to have two teams turn into zero. That's more than likely what's going to happen. Most people will end up finding other ways to spend their time instead of trying to make this 9v9 work. And if the most important, and the thing that I think is most obvious about the success of the beer league is that clan tfc is important but that the size of the clan can be different honestly i would i would like to to think as a community about what a forever tfc league could look like maybe not commit to it but think about it what if we committed to a five versus five format okay you can do a full tfc on some maps with 5v5 not everything but some and it's not ovd it's full it has those hairy offense versus offense interactions. It has a potential of turtling. It has people who can just play engineer on the third Tuesday of the month. <laughs> and if we have 5v5 or 6v6, stick with small team rosters, even if we have 40 or 50 people, we can still have five or six teams in the league. 
And then we can still, and if we still have a league, we can still have broadcasts. And if we still have broadcasts, then we have a Twitch presence. And if we have a Twitch presence, we can keep people who are interested continuing to be interested. There's a whole multi, there's a whole world of factors that contribute to people's decisions to stay involved or to drift away. And a lot of people, you can't do anything about it. But I'm convinced that most people, if they have the right opportunity and the right thing in front of them, will can find a way, or there are people who can be persuaded to stick around versus alienated and piss off. I certainly feel like I'm one of them. If we go back to a world, the pre-Beer League world that, that you've inhabited of OVD. The 4v4, only the 4v4. I won't play, but it's not because I don't respect TFC as a skills game, because I do. I think it's one of the hardest games to master anywhere. And it's not because I don't respect the people who are playing it. But to me, investing in a game to prove my individual mastery is not worth my time to me. It's not an interesting problem for me to solve. It's the same reason I'm not doing esports. And in this way, I'm a, 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 a foil to you. Yeah, you we're, have... very, we're, very, we're very opposite in a lot of ways. Yeah, in this way. So anyway, what do you think of that idea? Crap? I would, I would counter it by saying, why not both? Why not do a season of 6v6 and then a season of 4v4 and then a season of 6v6? Why, why... What's a season of 4v4 look like? The OVD? Uh, yeah, an OVD. Just an OVD season. Um, probably shorter because people won't enjoy it as much, especially people like you. So essentially, so, like, best of both worlds. Yeah. Like, best let, of, let's have why? fun identities why? with the why? new school. Why? Let's embrace because it. The thing, the thing, the only thing about what you said that I disagree with is that it sort of excludes my side of TFC only because it's not as um, social or cultured or whatever, whatever, because it is such a raw test of skills. But why can't you have a raw test of skills and also have the team play and the identity? Why do they have to be separate? Yeah. The only reason they're separate in TFC Well, there is a 4v4 because... league. Nobody, right now. Well, yeah, but it's ran by people who shouldn't be running leagues, with all due respect to them. <laughs> okay. Are there any people out there who fit that bill, though, who should be running I mean, leagues? Well, the 6v6 league is ran just fine. It's just inconsistent in its rule set because it doesn't know what it wants to be, which is why we're having the conversation that we have. True. Because half of the players are the Nostalgia Wave players like yourself, and the other half are the people who have been playing 4v4. That's the version of TFC that they've experienced. And there's plenty of loud voices on both sides, but the fact of the matter is, is the community is half and half. Yeah. For for all the six v six nonsense going on, it's really stimulated the four v four scene. I'll there's bet. multiple four v four. Yeah, they reinforce each other. Going on exactly. Mm -hmm. We all just want to play TFC, so I don't understand why we would have to cut out one for the other. <laughs> TFC is not some multi-billion yeah. industry. Yeah, We're I think the problem is like, you look at modern team shooter games they're all made for three or four people you notice that i think i think i think uh 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 too good was talking about this on one of his streams about the decision to make i think it was wipeout to make it a three-man or four-man teams all well all competitive modes in diabolical are going to be three men they're right. all three v three and i think the comment that he made on his stream was something to the effect of four players is better it's a better game but there are logistical concerns Exactly. It's That's easier to exactly organize smaller teams. That's exactly what's said. And, and having and, smaller teams also divides the higher tier players apart so they can't super team. Right, right. I mean, at the same time, though, I'm seeing like folks in the chat saying, 
I would never play in a four versus four league because it feels like a pickup. And maybe that's just a, that's just the legacy of the way TFC has been for the last 11 years. Um, maybe this legacy, maybe, maybe it can be overcome, but I can certainly respect it. Like, I gotta tell you, like there's, there's, there actually is, is someone on my team who can really only play engineer. Like I took that, that example from the real world and there's someone on my team who really only can play scout <laughs> and there's me. And honestly, I can really only play soldier at a competent level. And yet that's arguable. Even, um, I can sort of bullshit as medic if I can get on, on a DM heavy map. But I mean, what I want to show up for is a fun experience with my climates. And there are people in my, there are people in my clan. Um, I've actually despaired of this problem because there was a time here where, um, I had more people showing up on my team than could play in a match. And I'd have to choose how to play people. And you know, it's the modern era. We want to get people the, their play time. So we try to split it up as we can. But of course it's not as competitive to give people equal time as just playing your best players. But now it's not a problem that I have. I'm trying to find people. Um, oh, shit, I lost track of the point. <laughs> well, to I, tie in what you were at least initially beginning with, say you've got yeah. a guy who only plays engineer. Well, maybe he'll only play defense on the 4v4 side of the league. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to lose the team identity by playing different modes. You just have to That's a counter-argument. It is a counter-argument, 100%, yeah. because... At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Greg, 4v4 is just a more honest testing of the raw mechanical How about the though. casting angle, though? This is something that actually actually bugs me a little bit. Um, so, but OVD is, is a little bit like baseball. Wait, so, so yeah. you know you know how baseball works, right? Of course I know how baseball works. I'm they're, a they're... American, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm not testing <laughs> I'm just, it's, it's rhetorical. Give me a break. But uh, baseball teams take turns playing offense, literally. And... You have, um, you don't know who's going to win at the top of the ninth inning because both teams aren't scoring at the same time. Um, actually, but actually, maybe baseball is the counter argument to what I was about to say, which is that there are these weird interactions that to me happen. I actually casted a match between Mean Girls and Into the Void on Friday last week on the 26th. And there was a point in round two where one team had won and the game was over. Do we just turn it off? Yes. Okay. So actually, I really love that you brought that up. I honestly really do. Because I have been oh, arguing yeah. for this in in-house for years. Literal years, Greg. I have argued that as soon as the cap limit is hit, as soon as you have won the game, can we just leave? Can we just call it? Because, like, this is a waste of our time. Like the game the winning is run at the bottom of the ninth. Over. You don't keep playing. You don't keep playing. It's done. We've won. We've lost. It doesn't matter. It's done. I have argued for that for literally years, Greg, and I'm getting like a raised voice as a result. Oh, like, baby. I, have literally, I love it. I have literally argued for this in in-house for probably five years, probably 2015, because I 100% agree with you. It is stupid. It is a stupid rule set of 4v4 to have a game be finished, but we play it out because time limit dictates. We play it out. It is fucking retarded. I do From not a casting approve of it perspective, at all. it feels totally silly. By the way... It does, because there's no more tension. Why are you yeah. casting? It's yeah. nothing matters. Nothing that any of the players in the servers are doing matters at that point. Yeah. Wow. This is a pretty spicy topic. Pretty for spicy. T for TFC land. It's two different minutes of, like, it's, it's People want the 15 TFC. minutes for the stats. 
Yeah, and that's that individualistic approach. But if you're going to take 4v4 and apply it to a clan-based... competitive stance set, you yeah, cannot... Like, your stats don't fucking matter. Either so the team like, wins or I the team loses, he, right? Precisely. Like, precisely. if a player doesn't get the same number of, of at-bats because their team won with one out in the bottom of the ninth, like, that's not a stat you, you count. You don't care about it. Mighty Mouse is out Mighty here. Mouse feels very strongly is, about this. Yeah, he does. He I want really Mighty does. Mouse is, to know that I've been reading what he's been saying, and I completely acknowledge his point of view. I acknowledge his point of view, too, <laughs> but I will say, Mighty Mouse, if you don't want to play just five minutes of defense, then maybe you should have been better on offense there, bud. It all ties down to mechanics in the 4v4. Well, maybe this is maybe this is something, a place where we can learn from each other. Like, that's that's the best of both worlds, right? Because we're at a point where we can, that we are making decisions about what the future of, of the game can be. And we've, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I think that before we had all these people lined up to play in clans, these decisions were, these decisions would have been inconsequential. There's no way to make it work. There aren't enough people. There's there, not enough interest. There's no organization. But now people are lined up waiting to see what's next. And we can make these choices. And... I, from a player perspective, I get how 4v4 could be the future, but it does for me, and I'm agreeing with a little bit with Mighty Mouse here, that way of playing the game feels like, and maybe it's just the way that TFC is built, and if it was built differently, this would be better, um, but like, the, you don't see the scores for, when you're playing the game, you don't know what the score is, like in the second round, I'm like, it's kind of true of regular TFC too, because you add it up, um, I don't know, I'm feeling my way around this problem. I guess there is a unique feeling for TFC when both teams are scoring at the same time. There's a unique tension to it when you're at the same time a member of the offense trying to make a decision about what to do when you see the enemy capping. There's an immediacy to that, a viscerality to it. It's like it's yeah, like you're you're a rival tribe sure. and, and you're hunting a herd of buffalo and you see another tribe show up on the other side of the bluff. And you're like, oh, fuck. I got to get there first. You don't get that feeling when you're playing OVD. You just don't. That's true. That, no, I, I agree. You don't. You do not get that visceral sense of tension. The tension comes more from just knowing what's at stake and what you have to do. It's more of a mountain you have to climb and less of an immediate battle you have to fight. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Um, honestly, both arguments are pretty sound. I'm not going to lie. I, 99, when There's you talk about the way you talk about it, yeah, I'm we like, should have them fuck and make a baby. Rad. Exactly. But 4v4 also is what I've played, and from experience, I know is rad. Despite what Money Mouse is saying, I know that he's a strong proponent of your side. Are you on a 4v4 team, Lat? I'm on for Vader's, the but I haven't, I haven't played like any matches. Maybe um, what we should do is an experiment. That's just a crazy idea. Let's, let's be on a 4v4 team together. You can, you can show me the way. You be Batman, I'll be Robin. <laughs> uh, I can see you don't want to do that. <clears throat> Fair enough. We'll leave it at that. I don't. I don't. I don't want to play. I will gladly talk about competitive TFC, but my t my yeah. time in the game. You're moving gone. on. I have no diabolicals on the way. I have zero. I don't care what you guys do. You can do nine v nine. You can do four v four. You can say Blatt's got the best arguments on the fucking planet. Let's do a four v four league. I still won't play. So don't do a four v four league if you're doing it for what I said. Um, TFC yeah, but your is, your is opinions are still game. valuable. Your well, opinions I'm, are still valuable. I am a TFC player. I am. People consider me a skilled TFC player. I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn. Well, you are. Um, 
but it's it's I've lived my time in TFC. I've had my fun. It's done for me what I want. That sounds to do. a lot like the old schooler mentality too. Is I've had and, my time. And, it was and fun. honestly, honestly, Greg, you did eight nine years of eight v eight nine v nine. I did eight nine years of four v four. I have played against the highest tier of players that I'm going to be able to play against. I have fallen against them. I've risen against them. What about Wheaties in 2025? You can go up against him? Well, I don't know. Currently, Wheaties is on a microphone ban. He doesn't say anything, so I doubt it. He'll probably get worse over time because TFC is 90% communication, which is why it's a team game, 4v4 or 9v9. Okay. Love Wheaties, by the way. So do I. I wish you'd fucking talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. Turn the mic on, man. Let's hear what you got to say. We as community leaders acknowledge your point of view. We want you to be part of our game. Yeah. It, anyway, but man. yeah, like I've, honestly, honestly, like TFC, like it's it's we have both lived through such a long period of our own um variants of TFC and our opinions will not change. That's pretty obvious. Actually, I feel a like complete open to persuasion about this. I even back in the day I had trouble enjoying the game for a lot of reasons. Back in my day, during my prime, even back in my day, there was a bunch of people, the, the best players were the ones who played pickups. And I just never liked doing it because it didn't feed back into the clan scene at all. It was just individual achievement. And I would rather play in pubs and interact with people who had tags who I knew about. Like pubs were a place where you could actually talk to people. You'd actually hang out on um, public servers. I mean, of course, but the pickup scene is just, it was just none of what I loved about TFC was there. Um, excuse me, not enough of what I loved about the game was there. And if there's room in 2020 for a 4v4 league, maybe regardless of who's running it, we, we owe it to ourselves to, to the community to look at it seriously. I don't know. After talking to you, I feel differently. I felt pretty sure that, that, that the OVD was a, reductionist degenerate format that took all the that, that shaved all the hair off of tfc and turned it into a sleek competitive thing but then made it less interesting by doing so but after talking to you i don't know if i feel that way anymore so yeah um this is clearly a conversation that we can continue so i think we need to pick an arbitrary point to move on and i'm gonna pick right now unless you want to say one more thing on it dan no i think i think we've covered it um I think to say any more at this point was just to be beating a dead horse, so to speak. Yeah. So I think we will move on. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of moving on, like, dude, we've been at this for three hours. <laughs> three hours and 20 minutes, according to Twitch. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what else to say. Like, this has been a hilarious amount of fun. I think we should reconnect in eight more weeks and see what else we can fi what else we can talk shit about. I would be super duper down for that because in eight more weeks, two more months, I'll be oh diabolical, diabolical. Time, baby. I'll yeah. be knee deep in diabolical. So you'll oh, be like, hey, yeah. what do you think about TFC? And I'll be like, what? What game? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, absolutely. Eight weeks from now, you know, that sounds good to me. Yeah, man. Anything that okay? So let let's outro this shit. This is basement side. We do podcasts. Now we do drunk real talk. This is new. This is good. Real talk. Yeah, this is new, but it's fun. It's enjoyable. This is this is this is this is brothers speaking honestly and hopefully respectfully. We'll find out in the morning. Um, I, yeah, I guess we'll see what people say. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what people say. And um, I, for one, am, am all for it. 
Basement Side is my podcast, is my community. We have we have Discord. You can look at the link down at the bottom of the Twitch to find that. Um, I go live most Friday nights broadcasting TFC. Shoutcasting TFC is fucking hilarious and fun. I love it. Um, I love treating things too seriously. And <laughs> TFC is my favorite thing to treat too seriously. Um, so that's me. I'm a dish to you, man. Pimp your stuff. What are you up to? Where can people find you? Um, I'm Davis, D-A-V-J-S. Uh, you can find me on the Twitch name of the same exact thing. I play a ton of Quake. I'm far more of a Quake player than I actually am a TFC player. Um, and I'll be playing Diabotical, which is a Quake 3 successor coming out in uh, the end of July. I'll be playing that full time as soon as it releases and trying to be the absolute best player at it. So that's where I'll be at. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll chat then about this and many more things. Uh, Twitch, TFC, people who love and hate Dr. Disrespect. <laughs> have a good fucking night. Yes, Peace. have a great fucking night. <laughs>